You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue on our coverage of Australian Survivor 2017, the fourth season of our version of the epically awesome show that we all know and love. We've had another interesting week when it comes to Australian Survivor. Both uh, episodes 10 and 11 have aired and we've got plenty to talk about. And as always, it's all well and good for me to sit here and talk to you about Australian Survivor, but you don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from somebody who's actually played this game, somebody who's actually made Australia's hearts flutter and you've absolutely loved them, even if they're on the show for a very short amount of time, like our next guest. He was the first boot on last year's season of Australian Survivor, but it really does feel like we got to know him a little bit more than the one episode that we saw him of. I do, of course, speak of the one, the only, Mr. Des Quilty. Des, welcome to the Oz Network. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Always happy to talk Survivor. It's a pleasure to have you here to talk Survivor because I have to say that, uh, you know, on a, on a season filled with many big names and big characters last season, you may have been on there for one episode, but uh, judging on our listener questions alone, you are very, very memorable, and I, I can obviously stand by that fact too because uh, you're definitely one of the people, as soon as I knew we were going to be covering this season, I'm like, we're going to get some people on to talk about this from last season. You, you were easily up there at the top of the list. Uh Look, thanks, Ben. I, I, I have seen the ratings for last year, and after I left, they just <laughs> went, went on a gradual decline. So maybe they should have given me a secret bloody immunity idol to allow me to stay back in and kick Cat out or something. I don't know. But anyway, look, that's, uh, uh, you know, that that's uh, very flattering. Well, you're, you're, you're most welcome. Uh, and, and I often always say, um, you know, first boots, obviously, uh, outside of the winner and, uh, you know, of the other big names are generally the people that people remember anyway, Des. So, I mean, you know, I know you're a huge fan of Survivor and obviously you don't want to be the first boot, but I mean, as always, you kind of can take that as a, as a bit of a badge of honor. If I, if I was to know that I was going out early, I would at least say, look, make me the first boot, make me go out there and people remember me. Don't make me like the third or fourth boot. I mean, you know, like we loved Evan, you know, uh, we, we love Peter, but you know, we, we remember you more, Des. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that, that talk about, oh, listen, if I'm going to get booted, I'd rather be the first boot. That that's just to be honest, Ben. That's bloody loser talk, mate. <laughs> uh, if you're lucky enough to get on Survivor, you want to be there for as many days mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as you can, um, and to be first out. Um, whilst you say people remember, I, I don't think I I have seen Wanda's Facebook from the American season's got about twenty eight followers. I don't think too many people end up remembering me. Uh, but anyway, 70, 75%. Very flattering, mate. <laughs> well, I'm known as a suck-up, so I'm just trying to keep up to that reputation. <laughs> uh, early days here, Des. Uh, <laughs> this, this whole uh, interview could, uh, didn't turn around. But, uh, I mean, you know, we've, we've kind of mixed up this uh, season's coverage, obviously, with people from your season last year, and we've obviously tracked down a lot of the uh, original Season 1 Channel 9 people as well. But I, I, I kind of find it interesting, as we spoke with Evan a few weeks ago, that um, now that this new season is on air, and obviously you're now officially a contestant, having played the game, how do you find watching it now, given, similar to Evan a couple of weeks ago, you are obviously a huge fan of Survivor before you got to play the game. So does it change your perspective now, having to watch a version of Survivor having played the game, even if you were out there for only a short amount of time? 
absolutely. Um, I think when you're a fan, you you have all these uh, you know dreams and strategies and oh yeah, I know how to play. I've been watching it for years and this and that and that and that. And then when you get out there and actually experience it in reality, um, and then come back and start watching it on the television. You know, I'm watching it now and I'm going, oh, no, I know what's happening behind the scenes. Oh, no, that's an edit. They've just done this. They've done that. And it actually ruins the watching experience. For me, it has. So where, you know, prior to last year, I was, I was, you know, would hang on things and re-watch them and rewind them and, you know, check what someone was looking at and who was looking at who. Now I know that that's not really what's happening in real time out there. So... I think it's probably dulled my enthusiasm, to be honest. Wow. Um, yeah. That's interesting. And was that was that a case with um, the US one, uh, the, the Game Changers season, or is that kind of more a case of the Australian one? Because although they're the same show in many essence, obviously, no doubt, the Australian production values and kind of having seen how that one's put together as opposed to the US one, or, or does it kind of compare to both seasons now? Um. Look, unfortunately, when when that season one uh, uh, started in Samoa for us last year, um, it was two weeks before the final that Michelle won on season 33 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And we never, ever got to see it um, before we went in to play the Australian Survivor game. So um, there was a bit of a letdown from people that sort of went off and played Survivor and then come back and, when first thing they want to know was who won 33 because everyone thought, <laughs> oh, it was you Michelle. Know, oh, so, damn. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a pain. Um, I did watch the, you know, the Millennials versus, uh, uh, sorry, I did watch Game Changers mm-hmm. and I watched, no, I watched the Millennials versus Gen X. Couldn't really get into it. I think it did affect the enthusiasm level. Um the next one, the Game Changers one, I probably sort of started to come a bit more back on board. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. So, heroes, hustlers and hipsters or whatever yeah, the hell it's yeah, called. I, I believe it starts about the 27th of September or something. So, you know, not, oh, oh that might be October. I, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's 27th, oh, yeah. We're about a month away from it now. Because um, yeah. so, they're starting them later than they usually do. I know they obviously started Game Changers about two or three weeks later than normal. And this itself, they usually start at middle of September, and this is at least two or so weeks later than they usually start it. So um not sure what's going on in the US television landscape that they're making these start a little bit uh, later. I mean, we shouldn't be complaining. Australian Survivor this time around started, I think, what, at least a month earlier than your season? I mean, this this felt like it started a little bit earlier than last year. Yeah, so um, what I believe is the game, the first day, one of the game was about the 27th mm-hmm. of April, um, and day one of the game last year was uh 21st of may right like in, in real time right um so yeah they started about three to four weeks beforehand mm-hmm. um the american one that that really does surprise me because um i believe that the american um uh, season is time to finish before the big football um you know uh, gridiron yep. finals yeah um, and obviously they haven't moved, so you know who knows. Maybe they've got a different, 
you know, like we have 10 and 11, maybe they've got a different platform or something. Not for sure. It. I, 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 know, I know sometimes they're also affected uh, by things like the Olympics. And I know, obviously, with the Winter Olympics next year, a few shows of uh, kind of their cycles are a little bit out just because they don't want to clash up against them in February. But uh, given that this season that we're about to have in the US will end in December, so it's not going to really uh, bump across uh, to that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It's, it's something that I don't know if it's really been explained. Um, but uh, obviously, there's a reason behind it it's still going strong people are still wanting to watch survivor that's all that we can i'm in the job still basically because of that so that's fine by me um but uh the thing i'm one thing i will bring up in this episode because i mean given we're getting say multiple episodes a, a week obviously with australian survivor and uh the U.S. kind of do that in a way now to catch up because they're starting a little bit later, so you will get at least two double episodes with the U.S. But, I mean, it's... I just want to, straight off the bandwagon, because I've got a lot to say about these two episodes this week in terms of the quality of them because we're getting these multiple night episodes. As someone who is such a fan of Survivor, Des, going into your season last year and now this season, do you think multiple episodes a week and having 26 episodes as opposed to, say, 13 works for a show like Survivor? Um, I suppose the bottom line is I do like the 24 people going out. Um, I think it gives you a, a, a longer viewing experience, which I actually think is good because you get to see the different stages of the game go through more evolution. In, in the American season, basically, if you can stay under the radar for the first, you know, 14 days, you're just about guaranteed to hit the merge. So I think this, the longer season gives the opportunity for the different phases of the game to show different um, techniques and strategies. So I actually like the 55 days. I think that I think two episodes a week would be fine, and I think that they shouldn't try to do fillers and just run two same template shows a week. So whatever show we see on Sunday, just run it for an hour. Um, you know, I, I don't mind the fact that they don't have a reward challenge every sort of week, but you've got to have the two eliminations a week in my book mm-hmm. because it's the elimination process. Um, like just going to the side for a minute, I used to watch Big Brother, um, believe it or not, um, and the reason I would watch it is because I like to see who was getting booted. So I would only it was on seven days a week, but I would only watch it on the elimination nights because right. that was what I was interested in. I wasn't interested in all the other kerfuffle. I was interested in the vote and the scheming and the alliance and the gameplay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So from my perspective, I think Survivor, two nights a week, um, would be would be ideal for my needs. Maybe not everyone else's, but yeah, it would suit me, mate. What about you? Yeah, look, I am very conflicted on it. I'm not a fan of it being multiple nights in the format that they do. I kind of like your explanation of that there, that if you stick to a formula, it can work. And I think that in the lead up to your season last year, that's what we questioned. We were like, can they make this work? Like Survivor hypothetically could be a show where multiple nights like this could work if you do it in in a proper way. I just... 
I bring this up so early because I kind of feel the desperate need to talk about, particularly last night's episode, the, the Monday night episode. I just feel they're not executing this well enough to, to, to do that because what with your season, it kind of, you went into it not knowing to expect like a non-elimination episode because you're not used to that on Survivor. So there's a bit of a, like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You've got a bit of a shock around that. This time around, you kind of expect it because... Your season had 26 episodes. There are 24 people. You're going to expect there's going to be at least two non-elimination episodes based on the math there. Same with this season. If there's going to be 26 episodes, you're going to expect there's going to be at least two non-elimination episodes. And it just, it kind of takes away from the experience, I feel, comparing it to like what you were saying with Big Brother or uh, a lot of people will compare it with, say, The Amazing Race, that you watch an episode to go through all of what you're watching to then have a non-elimination episode, have it as a surprise. I just don't think it works on Survivor, and I just think that they're not doing it well enough to get away with this. I don't know if you watched the New Zealand Survivor that was on, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, and they obviously went with the two-episode format. But the thing that I will say with the New Zealand Survivor, they struggled a lot with the way they put that out there, and you had some very lackluster episodes. But at least each night... It was kind of what you were saying there. You had that format. You would have someone voted out, go to Redemption Island, then you would have the elimination the next day. So, like, you still kind of had episodes where people were at least in some form or another getting taken out of the game, be it Redemption Island or not. And I just... I'm saying this straight out of the bandwagon here, Des. I think last night's episode, the non-elimination episode, this big twist that we had... Uh, Again, I'm bringing this up now because I am still frustrated about this the next day. I'm saying this right now. That, to me, is one of the worst episodes of Survivor I have ever seen. And I don't know if you're going to... I'd love to get you to come out here and tell me I'm wrong, tell me I'm stupid. I want want to debate about this almost, Des, because I... uh, And I I know it's not just me. I know a lot of fans have woken up this morning frustrated at that episode last night. So, that's my take on it. Uh, I'm bringing us up very early to get this out of the way so we can talk about fun stuff. But I don't know. What was your take on that episode last night, the Monday night episode? I, I, um, I'm, pro- I'm probably uh, right up the same end of the seesaw that you are on this, Ben. I, I didn't like it. Um, if I could have fast-forwarded through it, I would. <laughs> uh, the, the only... The, the things that the main things I didn't like it was it had no structure, it just meandered. You didn't know where it was going. You didn't know why they were using stupid terms like a major reward when it absolutely was just an advantage. Like anybody could see that. I didn't understand why they had her hunting after tribal council, wandering in the bloody forest. Uh, you know the mangroves. Um, just to end the show with a whimper. Yep. So for me, the highlight of the night was actually Beast Mode Ben, <laughs> <laughs> seeing, him, seeing him throw those uh, things down and seeing him getting some air time. Yep. Um, the whole hanky crying stuff, you know, if, if I want to watch the hanky crying stuff, I'll, I'll watch Master Chef and listen to them tell me their sob stories about their grandma's apple, apple pie or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't watch Survivor for that, so... You know, that part I know that some sections of the, you know, the audience um, find that interesting to see that people are actually human beings, but I already know they are, so I don't want to see that. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I thought that whole um, presentation last night was poor, and, and I think it reflects badly on 
the person who is directing the survivor format. They obviously have no clue about the actual components of a successful survivor show and the components that are integral to, to making it work. They see these things and go, oh, geez, we can let off a firecracker here with no understanding of the consequence of that. And, and the consequence was what we got last night, which was, you know, a can of soup that had been on the oven for bloody 10 days and had boiled over and left stains and made no sense and was completely inedible as a television viewer. That's a perfect way of describing it. I like that. Uh, it's just it's just frustrating because sometimes it seems, and, and I, I'm not saying any of this to try and, and take away from what this version has been because, I mean, somebody, I think, tweeted to us overnight and it was actually a very... I think the tweet summed it up. They said, there's a good show in there somewhere. And what we're seeing this season is we've had some great episodes. Like, the first week was amazing how they were putting that out there. And they're definitely capable of showing how good they are at doing this. I think what they're struggling to do is they don't seem to know what type of show they want to put out there. They want to put out Survivor, but then they kind of obviously get to a point where they think, well, let's make this... Australian survivor. Let's make it a little bit unique. So let's try and throw this up in the air. Let's do this. Let's do that. And fair enough, you want to try and stand out slightly. But the thing that that gets me is that I feel this show was mainly brought back for this season because of the loyal fan base. The ratings weren't brilliant. Uh, obviously, you know, it didn't set the world on fire in terms of that side of things and a lot of what channel 10 put out there they said like you know it was strong on social media it's got a rabid fan base and it's true i think the fans definitely keep this show alive but if they're doing this for the fans they've got to realize that survivor fans are very loyal people we like what we like we know the format and we don't want it played with too much and i think if you start doing random non-elimination episodes with twists and and over-the-top advertising that really oversells this for something that purely is a super idol that really could have just been thrown in the episode and didn't have to be done, as you were saying, like post-tribal and, oh, will Ziggy find something? Oh, how shocking will this be? Like, for the casual viewer who's never watched Survivor... Sure, it might be great for them. But for us loyal fans, it is so frustrating. Yeah. um, I I wonder sometimes when I look at the, you know, you're saying the the ratings. So, you know, I know they're doing over 600,000 people. And then I look at the fan sites on Facebook and go, well, you know, there's there's four or 5,000 in that group and there's five or 6,000 in that group. But the numbers on the fan sites don't match the numbers that are watching. So, you know, perhaps perhaps the fans have got it wrong and it's the casuals um, that are driving the, the decisions that um, that are being made. And, and if that's the case, you know, we just have to suck that up. But mm. um, I think even a casual viewer who, who becomes, you know, um, uh, 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 what's the word, committed to watching a series to see how, what's going to happen, who's going to win and so on, um, they need some structure. You just can't keep feeding them splatter. You just can't keep splattering stuff at them. So, yeah. I don't know. 
I think stru- structure was a key word, particularly with like the, the thing that I think it struggled with this week. The Sunday night episode, um, you know, it was it was a fine episode. I think what kind of it went a bit eerie with the the Sunday night episode where you had two really glaring points in that episode that were like, huh, where did they come from? That was random Kent injured from the challenge. Uh, and then when you see Henry giving this clue to um, Jericho, which obviously they explain in a way the next night, but even then that payoff of that explanation kind of just felt misjoined. Like it just didn't seem to fit in with the style of the episode. It's kind of like they've put it in the episode. They obviously haven't maybe had enough confessionals from Henry to explain this pre-challenge. So they've had to quickly backtrack to kind of get this to work the next night. And like, I agree with you completely. The structure last night was just off. It just didn't feel coherent in terms of the story they were trying to say, because we know as Survivor fans, generally any episode of Survivor begins with, you know, a bit of a resolution from previous weeks, setting up a little bit of conflict, what's going to happen. We get the challenges and we get sort of the strategy. We get the conflict of who's going to go home. We get tribal council and then boom, someone's gone home and then that's your episode of Survivor. And I mean, look, if you were to tick off the uh, the Survivor, you know, 101 checklist of what should be in an episode last night, I feel we struggled to get ticks from last night's episode. It, it reminded me a lot of... Was it the final six in, in your season? Uh, it was the one where basically there was like two rewards and they went to tribal council and they had that trivia challenge. And I think what Evan and Flick got the reward or something like that. And uh, not Evan, sorry, uh, Matt got the reward. Um, so it, to me, that was just such an un, like it just, it frustrated me to have to sit through all of that to go, oh, that's it. Um, but I don't know. I think last night might have been worse. Yeah, no, look, that, 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 um, that episode last year when they're down to final six and basically Matt had to win the reward twice to get the same reward or something, um, yeah, that, that obviously was a, was a faux pas on, on, on the whole storyline process. Um, yeah, look, just last night was just a complete schmozzle. I, I did like Sunday night's episode. Um, I, I thought that was pretty well done. I, I didn't mind that at all. And, yes, I agree that um, they, um, you know, Henry giving um, giving Jericho the clue, there should have been a confessional in that Sunday night thing, sort of um, just feeding that storyline instead of it just being something dropped. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, last night was all over the place. And, you know, um I'm, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen as a result because, you know, generally the seesaw goes up and down. L- last night was uh, was definitely a, a low point and, and I'm hoping that it gets back up to the stellar heights that some of the earlier episodes have been sort of coming the next week. For sure. I, I'm for still sure. excited, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, by, by all means, I'm definitely with you there. I mean, in no way has this uh, dampened my enthusiasm to watch this. I, I was talking uh, one of our... Uh, co-host of the show, Noah, and I sort of were talking during the week and saying that this is the first time in a while that um, he at least feels that each week he's like, oh, I can't wait for Survivor. And I'm kind of that way too. Like, I'm like, each Sunday, each Monday, I'm like, yeah, Survivor's on tonight. And I'm not saying I don't feel that way with, you know, the US one or other versions. It's like, I guess, a bit more of enthusiasm because this season started off so well. So, um, I, in no way am I thinking, oh, this is it, you know, because I think, a positive we can maybe take out from the fact that we've now had these two non-elimination episodes earlier compared to last year is that hopefully moving forward now, uh, we shouldn't have any more of these. So kind of now, what, for the next uh, 15 episodes, if we're going to stick to a 26-episode season, uh, that we're just going to have a straight 15 people voted out. So 
I guess the positive, Des, is we've maybe gotten rid of that side of things now and the rest now is just pure straight out. We're just going to get what we need to get in this season. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. I, look, I think last year there was four non-illumination um, and one of them caused by, you know, Pete being Matty back, um, the one that where Cat didn't go home. Um, so I think we've actually got one more to come. Okay. Uh, but, but I think... Uh, he, he, here's my my big uh, guess of a surprise this year, and I don't know anything. I don't do spoilers, but my big guess of a surprise is that final six, there's going to be a Holden Trailblazer. Nah. Driven in by Lee? Is Lee going to come in? And I mean, we see oh. him every night about 20 times, so surely they're going to have to include him at some point. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, I don't know who will be driving the bloody thing in. But, um, <laughs> but at any rate, I, I reckon that we might get a car curse, and I'd like to see that, eh? <laughs> I would too, yeah. I mean, that, that actually... I think you're onto something there. I actually... Um, can I just point out, uh, I want to talk about Twitter and something on Twitter shortly, but um, a big shout-out to, to Lee, who loves interacting with the fans who are kind of taking the mickey out of him for this bloody Holden ad. Because let's be honest, Lee's getting more airtime this season than Adet and Ben, because we see him 30 times every commercial break. But um, I think I tweeted out at one point last night, oh, the reward is a Holden Trailblazer. Lee's going to drive in, and this is what the ultimate reward will be. It's Lee. And Lee, you know, tweets out and just, you know, it's like, yeah, you're too right, mate. You know, like, you know, obviously plays up to it. But, um, yeah, look, we haven't had a car curse, uh, what, since Fiji. We haven't had any sort of car in Survivor, uh, at least a US one. So, um, you know, that that's a good call there, Des. I'm, I think we're going to have to get to episode six and we're going to have to pull this little uh, quote out of the bag and say Des was right. Well... You know, not quite in the last time I saw that car curse, but it was something that dreams are made of, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I'm not just an old grumpy old bloke at all. <laughs> Um, I just, I just quickly say, because again, I wanted to bring all these sort of the episodes up early so we can, we can talk about strategy and things like that. Um, the, the channel chair, the, the Survivor AU Twitter page, uh, I, I mean, I've been so complimentary of them this season because it's, it's great. If you, if you were, if you're listening to this and you've never sort of live tweeted or you kind of don't really know what happens on social media during an episode, highly recommend tweeting and, you know, Survivor AU, the official Twitter page interacts with the fans. They're, they're 99% of the time great to kind of deal with. They're very fun too but can i just say this week whoever the channel 10 intern was in control of their uh social medias this week gets a little bit sassy when you call out uh some you know glaring mistakes on their show uh i pointed out i think i tweeted out on the account saying that you know similar to what we've already talked about like very poor episode you know very bad editing to which you sort of get sassy replies from them with gifts saying like oh are you kidding me or like rolling your eyes and then um, I think I jokingly pointed out about Ben getting a confessional. I'm like, oh, there's Ben's monthly confessional this, you know, this episode or something like that. To which uh, they then complaining, oh, joke's a little bit old now. Move on. We've seen him a lot. And it's like, why are you going off at us? You're the ones technically editing this show. We're just pointing out that you're not showing a person. Uh, I think maybe the Survivor AU Twitter feed needs to learn to take a bit of criticism sometimes because, again, we're not all going to like the show all the time. We, we can point out some issues. We're still going to watch. So I just needed to point that out this morning. Hey, uh, so, Ben, what happens? I, I, I haven't seen. I've only just recently joined the Twitter. You have. You've just joined Twitter, yes. Um, yeah, so where, where, are you, where, where do you see this? Because I haven't seen any of that. 
Well, well, basically, so if uh, the official uh, Australian Survivor Twitter handle is is, is at Survivor AU, have, have you gotten used to your little at symbols and all that yet, Des? Or are you still working that out? <laughs> Mate, I'm I, I'm just in me in me first year of kindergarten. Twitter, <laughs> right? To be honest, I, so basically, I, the at symbol sort of like what you have in your email address. That's kind of what your username is. So you're, I believe, at Des Quilty. I think that's you. So. People can yeah. follow Des on on Twitter at Des Quilty, um, and so essentially they if you if you know your news feed kind of on Twitter when you're you see everybody what everybody else has tweeted, they yeah, will under the house. yeah under yeah the one with the house the one yeah. with the little house that's exactly the right one yes um, that's kind of where it all pops up and if you follow their account you'll see everything that they post and do you, do you know what a hashtag is Des uh, yeah I do perfect if I, if I go you know, hashtag uh, Beast Mode Ben, yes. then I'll see everybody that's talked about Ben being in Beast Mode. Exactly. So the, the official... But, but sorry, mate, what, I, what I'm not understanding is where are you seeing the Australian... Uh, the Survivor AU one because I don't get that on my thing. Well, that's uh, that's where I'll, I'll I'll send you the link and I'll show it to you. So if you follow their account, you will see it. And with the hashtag, if you use hashtag Survivor AU, that basically will bring up all the tweets. So that's the official Twitter hashtag. And so the Australian Survivor account will obviously monitor who is hashtagging Survivor AU. So they will then often reply to a lot of people. And again, for the most part, they're pretty good. But uh, I'm just putting it down. I'm just, for this week, I'm just putting it down to new Channel 10 intern, obviously got the job this week, got a little bit sassy pants. (laughs) And can I just say, I found, I found the Channel 10 intern who uh, obviously was uh, controlling it this week because after I had tweeted about the joke about Ben and then they were like, oh, you know, joke's old now. There was a, a, an account. I don't want to name them on air. I'm not going to name and shame them. But their their profile said Channel 10 social media producer for Survivor. And then on their account, they've written a separate one on their personal account saying, oh, you know, having to log on every week and seeing people complain about lack of edit with like a rolly eye emoji. It's like, edit people better then and then we wouldn't complain. We want to see beast mode, Ben. We want to see a debt besides her being sad about a family. I'm sure there's more to a debt than just being upset she's not with a family. I mean, can you tell me anything about a debt besides the fact that she misses a family? <laughs> yeah, she's got tattooed eyebrows, mate. They look ah, awesome. I don't think I've actually noticed that because I'd barely see yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. No, they look... She's been out there for three weeks and they look like they're perfectly plucked. But <laughs> somebody else told me that. I'm not really up to speed with, you know, tattooed eyebrows. I was going to say, you're very yeah. observant for that there. I was like, wow, you picked on that, that one pretty quickly. <laughs> no, I've got three daughters, mate. They keep me up to right. speed with all that. Right. Um, look, uh, yeah, I wouldn't put it aside. I mean, th- the only other thing I'll say about it is that, like, when you've got two episodes a week, um, and kind of going on that structure you were saying before, you would then expect that I feel a lot of people would be edited more prominently. And, like, I think your season, they started off pretty well. Like, we got to, I feel we got to meet pretty much everyone early on in your season. Um, and, you know, I mean, people like, say, Barry and Bianca maybe weren't edited brilliantly early on, but we still kind of at least got to, to see them a little bit. Whereas this season, like, it really does seem that the focus is just purely on people like Henry, on, on Lockie, you know, AK. Um, you know, I mean, when was the last time we heard from Peter? When was the last time we heard anything from Jared? 
you know, I mean, I think we got a little bit, you know, Luke's obviously always in our face because, I mean, that guy is just permanently high on red corneal or something. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if you sort of uh, get frustrated with the fact that we don't get to meet some of these other contestants. Um, look, I think it goes back to what I was saying before. With, with the bigger cast and, and the thing going, you know, a couple of episodes a week, we're, we're up to like episode 11. Um, there's going to be like... So we're not even at the halfway mark. Um, I think there's, like I said before, different phases of the game require different edit and strategy and whatever. So, yeah, look, it would have been, it'd be nice to see a bit more of Jared and Pete. Um, but I suppose the good thing is if you, if you like those characters, you're pretty confident that they're going to go a bit further in the game because you haven't seen them. Mm. I mean, we did get, I think the audience got blindsided with Amy because nobody would have seen that coming given the amount of air time that poor girl got. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not really concerned that we're not seeing them. I think I'm waiting for the next stage of the game where, where they do the tribe swap next week. Um, you know, they come out last night saying, oh, well, old enemies come together. Well, you know, that's pretty obviously going to be AK and Tara, in my guess. And, and they say, you know, allies are torn apart. So... Um, again, that's probably, you know, AK and Jared or something. I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I wandered off the point there, mate. But Welcome yeah. to the Oz Network. It happens every week. It's fine. You're, uh, become, you're becoming a permanent guest on this show purely on that thought process. We'll be talking about everything else very soon. Don't you worry. Um <laughs> Now, I mean, look, in terms of uh, sort of touching on some of the things from Sunday night, I guess, I mean, a lot of the interesting thing I found, too, was a lot of the repercussions from Henry's move, uh, obviously, last week, um, you know, with Jackie having gone and his kind of reaction to that, which which led to his very interesting confessional to which he then claimed the people over on Asunga were dumb for for doing what they did. Again, not really taking too much uh, responsibility for his move, I still stand by the fact I think Henry moves were dumb and it's just cost him any chance of winning this game. I, I'm still standing by that fact. What's your take on, I guess, Henry's move and just the, the repercussions that came from Sunday night's episode with his reaction? And then also, I guess you can tie into that, his ability then to kind of try and really, you know, get himself into Summer Tower, which obviously led to more people than many uh, seeing what he was doing and realising, yeah, this guy's trying too hard. We need to get rid of him. Yeah, um, look, I think it's interesting that it's only come out now that they've um, changed tribes that that Ben has come out and said, oh, yes, I was part of Henry's group um, back on uh, uh, Um because you, we didn't see that when they were there. What we saw when they were there was, you know, Ben throwing shade at Jackie, um, you know, cracking a few jokes and... and, and from the viewer's perspective, looking like he was on the outs. Mm. But I was surprised when, when he got over and was talking with, you know, Jericho and, and someone saying, uh, sorry, talking with Jared saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I was with I was with Henry over there. So if that's actually true and, and what's been edited is just trying to make it appear that he wasn't with Henry, then why the hell would... Ben and Henry both go from their same alliance, you know, over to Summertow. That I, I, I'm absolutely with you. I think Henry's move is the, the dumbest move he could have made, and I do believe it could cost him the game. 
Yeah, um, it's because it, I think he was. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of I, I wasn't. I didn't dislike Henry or I didn't like Henry kind of before. I think like we were comparing Henry and Jackie sort of almost like a Malcolm and Denise. And, you know, they were, they were two people that until sort of the, the whole Mark um, and, and Sam vote outs were in sort of loose control that you didn't really know about. They had the idol. Like, I mean, there was so much to like about their position. And then even after Mark and Sam got voted out, they've, they've been exposed as a power couple, but no one in a Sanga seemed to want to take him out at that point. They were still happy to let them kind of be in control. And then he's made this move. He's exposed himself. He's gotten his number one ally voted out, blamed the others for basically doing that. I mean, I think Asanga was smart to finally, you know, Luke, I'm saying this. People know everything I've been saying about Luke in the last, like, four or five weeks, calling him a, a dickhead and an idiot and all this sort of stuff. Luke was brilliant for taking out Jackie. Like, that was a very smart move. And... Then he's calling out other people for being dumb. He's being open, like, with his fun little trivia game. And I just love the fact that it was, like, AK and, and Tegan straight away are just like, yeah, this is a bit silly. We have to get rid of him. So, uh, Tessa, sorry, not Tegan. Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I just, I, 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 he's getting a big edit. Uh, he's getting a few little uh, of these winner quotes, I feel, and some of the things that he was saying, particularly, like, obviously, we got the... Uh, you know, the storyline involved around, obviously, sadly, his mum had passed away before he went out. So, you know, some of these things you could sort of tie into the overall arc, like that could be sort of into the the, the winner's edit, I guess. But I think we got a few of them this week. I, I don't think it was just, just a Henry well, standout. Henry you're talking about, Ben? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just don't know. I just, I, I, I it really annoys, it's frustrating with you've got a player like Henry, who I think is a good player, but he's just making ridiculously dumb choices. And I think he's he's overplaying. I think, would you would you classify the fact that he's overplaying, whereas AK was overplaying early on. He's toned it down. Henry's kind of done the opposite, I feel. Yeah, well, just coming on the AK thing, um, I think the edit has shown that AK has toned it down. I, I can't believe that AK has gone from, you know, 100% of the time strategist to like, oh, no, I'm just going to like sit back and try and control, control things in a much more, you know, sneaky way. Um, mm. I think that's just the story we're being shown. I, I think everybody knows that he's still, you know, smarter than the average bear and, and got his, you know, trying to get his paws onto, onto everything. And I think that's what will bring him undone. Um, if it's true that you know, him and Tara do end up in the merge on the same side. I can see Henry, uh, sorry, AK being a huge target to go. So, um, yeah, with him, um, that's sort of what I think. Um, the other one you asked me was, was it Henry? Mm, yeah. I'm sorry, mate, I lost track again of your question. It's I do that. I, I, I wander off. It's not the LSD from the 60s coming back in either. It just, <laughs> I'm trying to think of all too many things, eh? Yeah, well, that, that was literally going to be my next question. Uh, are you still high <laughs> from the 1960s? Uh, um, so thanks for clearing that one up. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it makes for fascinating viewing. It really does because it's kind of, going back to what I was saying about these players that are getting a lot of edit, and I guess we can bring Luke into this. Again, I have not been kind on the man uh, this season, but he's starting to get to this point where he is just hyper all the time in his confessionals. But I think as we've discovered a lot through our exit interviews with the Sanger uh, contestants, 
He's not like that in camp. He's only like this in confessionals. People are surprised to see him this way. It reminds me a lot, and I, I, I never, ever thought I would compare Luke to the legend that is Brian Heideck, but I'm going to try and do that here slightly. Bear with me, people. Brian Heideck had this confessionals where he was like, cocky and arrogant and you know this is a business trip and you know i i'm the ice man you know he was all this sort of stuff but if you talk to anybody from thailand they had no idea he was like that they had no idea he was playing that sort of game that's how good brian heideck is he is the god anyway enough of brian luke obviously is mr yeah i'm the beast i'm you know two sharks baby i'm big i cannot do a luke impersonation but like clearly back at camp (laughs) Clearly, everyone knows what Luke is like. Uh, clearly, at camp though, he's not like that because Des, I can, I can't imagine that if you're living with someone like Luke and he's constantly all walking around, cocky, strutting his stuff, you know, yeah, lucky, look, I caught two mines bigger than yours. Like, I can't imagine that you're going to have to want to put up with a guy like that all the time. He's going to start pissing you off. So clearly, he's playing an intelligent game that he can turn it up to like five hundred in confessionals, but tone it down to like four or five when he's around the other players. Yeah, I I, uh, I really enjoyed the 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 little short clip of um, him realizing that a debt was feeling like you know isolated and whatever, and and he gets up and goes to talk to her. Well, you know that's what the edit showed. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised that um, that that the production are going. Let's just show this bloke as as an absolute bloody maniac. <laughs> but but that in real life he's he's actually quite a lovable sort of bloke. Probably a bit like me last year. They showed yeah. me as a lazy old grumpy bloke, but you know, really <laughs> I'm not such a bad egg after all. But anyway, no, right. no, you're, you're you're a good guy, Des. Uh, you know, again, uh, <laughs> we we, we, yeah, we yeah, maybe oh, thanks, test yeah. that. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank yeah. you. Finally, I'm getting oh. uh, some payment for my suck up ability. Uh, but I mean, it's it's like. The thing that's fat, like, Luke is great TV. And, like, but again, like, as I was saying before about how he pulled off pretty much, it seemed, the uh, the Jackie vote. And even sort of with, like, the Kent vote this week, I mean, obviously, you know, Michelle seemed to be the whole drug because it was sort of the Michelle-Kent um, feud. But it just, you know, he's he's got himself into a position there, which obviously, given that we're about to have a switch or a merge or whatever's going to happen next week, uh, it can change on its head. This is the beauty of Survivor. But, I mean, it, it's just so fascinating that, uh, you know, when Mark and Sam went, he was on the bottom. You know, him and Jericho were kind of, you know, they were they were counting their days. But this is the beauty of Survivor again. Here he is kind of at the top. And it's just, I think Luke, and I never thought I would say this, can go far in this game. I think Luke can win this game. How is that possible, Des? How am I saying these words leaving my mouth right now? Uh, I, I see him possibly winning this game. Ba- and that's based purely on the fact that his tribe like him and it's like he's in a position where he's not being overbearing so luke all of a sudden is somebody who can win this game um no i i, I disagree I, I don't think luke's, luke's got barkley's hell's chance of winning the game um and i think the reason for that is if you look at the guys that are left in you, you would have to say that um henry considers himself an alpha dog um, Luke considers himself an alpha dog. Um, Lockie obviously considers himself an alpha dog. And if you get sort of group dynamics coming together after this merge and them three and AK, AK might like, like want people to think he's like the quiet mover, but he thinks he's an alpha dog. 
So there's four alpha dogs. Them alpha dogs are all going to turn on each other straight up. And I think that one of the, depending on what happens with this mix-up, which has really got me intrigued, but I, I said to somebody the other day, I can see a Black Widow alliance starting. I think the, the seed of that is Sarah and Annalise with their shared um, idle information. It'll be interesting to see how that, you know, mixes up. Um, I'm pretty sure that they'll be able to drag Tara into that. I'm pretty sure that um, uh, Michelle will grasp onto whatever coattails she can to just hide her lazy ass in there somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. I like your game, but that's what you're playing chain as. Um, so, yeah, I've I, I got a feeling at the moment there's like eight blokes, um, four probably alpha dogs, and then, and then you've got the guys, I think, the, the best position blokes are like Jared and Pete. Um, I, I think Ben is, whilst I really like Ben, <laughs> I, I really like Ben. Good, good um, name. So you should like a Ben. I, I think he's yeah. going <laughs> to, yeah, I didn't think of it that way, mate. Um, <laughs> Don't quite have the I, hair as him, but, you know, it's still a good name. Uh, maybe in your younger day you did, mate. I don't yeah, know. well, you know, maybe. I, I, I can't remember them. I was also on LSD, but anyway. <laughs> you went to Sunbury too, did you? Mm. Yeah, well, anyway, maybe. <laughs> so I, th- I think Ben and Jericho are probably the guys with the least chance of going forward. I think they'll stay there a bit longer. Well, maybe not Ben, but um, them four alpha dogs are going to turn on each other. And if that happens, then the girls will, I, I call them, I just call all ladies girls because most of them are younger than me. I think the girls will get together. There will be some kind of black widow kind of thing happen and they will just they will just pick these boys off. Uh, so I don't think Luke has got a chance. I don't think Lockie has got a chance. I don't think AK's got a chance. I don't think Henry's got a chance. I think AK's, they showed something a couple of weeks ago where they had AK standing there going, oh, bloody hell, Henry is my kryptonite. I can't win a challenge. And I thought that was a very significant foreshadowing thing, that at some stage, AK, who is the controller of everything, Henry is going to blow his game up. I mean, it might not happen, but but I just I saw that on the show and I thought, oh, bloody hell, that, they don't normally put that kind of stuff in yeah, if it's not got some storyline to follow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, no, I, I think Luke I think Luke will get to the jury, but, yeah, I can see them four alpha dogs being targeted shortly. You know, I, I think I still feel a woman will win this game. Um, I just, I think that out of those four alpha dogs, if I was to pick someone who could win, I would say Luke now. And I think AK possibly but i i think i pretty much agree with though what you said and the fact that i think they will all go after each other and i and i still personally think that a, a female will win this game i said it i think annalise from memory was my winners to pick pre-game um but i mean you know i i'm yeah like this sarah all of a sudden has come out of the woodwork as somebody who's a, as a strong player that not a lot of people are looking at i still think ziggy's in with a great shot even though obviously this whole super idol thing is definitely going to put a target on her back now 
Um, but yeah, I, I, it's kind of, we're getting really to that point of the show, aren't we? Where it's kind of a case of, you can maybe pick off the ones that you would say aren't going to win more so than who will. Like, as you were saying, I agree with you, Jericho and Pete don't know if there's enough there. Ben, yeah, probably not. I'd say Tara, probably based on her edit kind of, and just obviously I think the perception of Tara amongst her tribe members, uh, she's probably someone who you'd say can't win this game. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, I think you kind of get into that point now. We can slowly start to tick a few people. But having said that, though, uh, your season, I mean, at this point, would have you thought Christy could have won the game? Um, I, I mean, obviously I wasn't there because, you know, be the first, whatever. But when the, when the game got to... Um, the the real merge, um, <laughs> which actually wasn't the time for some reason they merged and people didn't go to the jury. So you had both Kate and Connor made the merge but didn't make the jury. Um, at that stage, I I thought Christy would be mid jury, mm. and I thought she would be mid jury because of her uh, connections back for the Aganowans. Um. But I was gobsmacked that they didn't take Christy out before they took Sue out. I mean, like you know, obviously Christy was on the on the chop, you know, several times, and uh, and you know, through you know, good fortune, good luck, good management, whatever, um, would manage to overcome those hurdles. So you know, well done to her. But um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely wouldn't have thought that she'd have gone to the end and. Probably even more of a surprise to me was the fact that Lee's game wasn't recognised, that he got tarnished with this, you know, holier-than-thou um, attitude. I, I'm, I, I, I think that was permeated at, at, at Ponderosa or Loser's Lodge or whatever you bloody call it. But, um, yeah, no, that really shocked me um, that, that that group of his peers... Uh, undervalued his his game but you know anyway i i, I agree with I, that because i mean yeah i I, agree. I mean i'm not trying to take away from chrissy's win at all but it, yeah i it that surprised me a lot in that tribal council about lee kind of not getting any yeah about his game and look i think also, I mean, Christy owned that tribal council. I mean, she was brilliant at final tribal council and, and Lee maybe wasn't up to scratch there with that. But, I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting to think sort of, because I, I, I only watched the second half of your season very recently because I was overseas when it was airing. And, I mean, I knew how it all played out, uh, but I just didn't get a chance to watch the second half till recently. And it just, having known who won, having known who got second and all that sort of stuff, it I, I wasn't expecting too much from, from Lee's game, given that, you know, I saw that he only got one vote at the end. But kind of watching it, I, I, I did think, like, well, you know, at the end of the day, he didn't really seem to get a whole lot of recognition for that. And, it, like, I guess, too, you know, him and Elle were what, basically, what, at what point did that start? I mean, they were together for a long time and no one kind of saw that as a threat. Similar, I mean, they saw that with Mark and Sam, seemingly, this season. But, I mean, no one saw that with... Uh, with Ellen and, and Lee, I mean, as much as it's dangerous to be in that sort of pairing in Survivor, you know, the Robin Amber scenario, I think anyone who can kind of pull it off, which they pretty much did, they pulled it off to the end. If Chrissy had not won that final tribal council, a uh, final immunity, uh, they would have done it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting about Lee there. Yeah, I I, I suppose something which you um, 
you know, which the viewer didn't see, was the most strategic person at Aganoa was Phoebe. And within, um, I don't know, the first 20 minutes of hitting the beach, um, all the girls had formed the girls' only alliance in that season. And, and it wasn't shown because, you know, basically Channel 10 didn't want to show strategy or, or any of that kind of stuff because it was a new concept to Australians. So, you know, they basically came out after four, three, three or four days and said, oh, listen, just by the way, there aren't any idols out here, so don't bother looking for them because we don't want to introduce idols to the Australian public so early because they would be confused about what they are. So, wow. you know, Phoebe, to her credit, got the four girls together and also formed the one-on-one with Elle. And when she formed the one-on-one with Elle, she said to Elle, I'll go after Rowan, you go after Lee, and that way we've got four-girl alliance plus we've got two couples alliance and Des and Evan are on the outer. Wow. And then we can, like, so they, so Phoebe controlled this 4-4, four, four, two 4-4 four, four alliances. Uh, uh, yeah, two 4 how does that work? There's only eight of us out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there was an overlap of two intersecting sets. So there was the four girls and then Phoebe and Elle and, and the other two. So, so basically at um, Lee and Elle's wedding, Phoebe needs to be thanked as kind of the matchmaker that brought them together. Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, obviously Elle had a uh, – not Elle, Lee, you know, was like a Greek Adonis out there when he <laughs> took his shirt off, mate, that, you know, the sun – the sun came out part of the, part of the season. You know, he was like Herculean. Happens sort of to me all the time, Des, when I take my shirt off. I'm very familiar with it. Yep. I, I could see the similarity, Ben. Thank Lee you. Thank you. Pick up a coconut husk off the beach and start chiseling his chest and rubbing <laughs> coconut oil. You know, it was just. Anyway, obviously, my, my opportunity to be the sex muffin out there disappeared as soon as he hit the beach. But anyway. <laughs> You, you, before that, you were set. Before that, you were like, here we go. All right, sexiest oh. man on this season. I'm done. Oh, fuck, there's Lee. <laughs> yeah. I know. See, look, if Lee hadn't have been there, that Cafe Lardo woman just would have been drooling all over me for, for the first couple of days. So. Oh, we, we need to see that. Can we please Love go back you, in Katie, time? You're and... no. You stay in Perth, I'll stay in Queensland. <laughs> Oh, we've got some cat questions. Trust me, our listeners want to know about cat. Um, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, now, just Kent, um, I would like to get your take on him because I, I, the thing that interests me about Kent a lot was that he looked very likely that he would be the first boot. I mean, it was a toss and turn between him and Joan. Obviously, Joan went and then he managed to, to stick around. And, uh, you know, our exit interview, which is great. If people want to listen to that, obviously, they can download that. Uh, via our various channels that are available out there. I mean, he mentioned that, I mean, he was in a pretty safe position. He was obviously with Jackie. He was obviously with Henry. Uh, he had a debt. You know, he had no reason to worry. And then, clearly, the ripple effects of Henry's, quote, genius move, unquote, uh, are clearly still affecting people. What What was your take on Kent? Because he got, he started to get a bit of a cult following out there on social media. Um. Yeah, look, I uh, I think when I saw the pre-game and I, and I looked at his bio, I thought, yeah, mate, you, you're going to be out in the first couple without without a doubt. Um, and uh, I think he um, he was lucky that um, in that in that first you know episode 
that he'd spent a bit more time getting the social game, you know, organising, but from what we were saying, um, than Joan did. And Joan, um, you know, looked to me like loud, out there, you know, strong, determined sort of woman, um, and I could see that she had a bigger target on the back. So I think he only survived that because of that, the fact of, that Jane was who Jane was, mm. um, you know, her personality. Um, and then, you know, he, uh, you know, who, who knows whether he was pulled into the Henry Jackie thing or whether he sort of was key in that or not. Um, but, you know, I think he'd done real well to go 24 days. My, my mate Andrew Torrance said um, at least he's still the longest-going businessman that's ever been played the Australian <laughs> Survivor because I think Andrew lasted one more day than him or something. But, yeah, no, I like Ken's character. I um, I would have liked to seen him get a bit more time because some of the things he said were as funny as L.A., what, the uh, one thing that I completely zoned out of in the exit interview with him, and I, I, I'm so annoyed at myself that I didn't bring it up, that very first episode with this whole dickhead strategy, which, I mean, really didn't go anywhere in terms of the storyline, but it was hilarious. That first episode when he's like, yeah, it's all about sticking close to the dickhead. I call it my dickhead strategy. Like, I mean, that's genius. I love that. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm sad that we see Kent going because... Um, you know, he was he was he was an interesting person. He really was. And um, you know, I um yeah, I'm sad. I'm still sad about Paul Kent. Good news for Kent, if you haven't been following any of the social media bits out there though, is apparently he uh proposed to his long term girlfriend uh post show and they are now engaged. So congratulations to Kent. Yeah, uh, look I'm I'm sure Kent had the time of his life on the show and enjoyed his you know, his three weeks and his experience or whatever. I don't think he had a monkey show in hell of ever, you know, winning that thing. But, um, yeah, I've seen him. A couple of people have said to me, is he related to me or not? And I said, well, obviously you've got eyes. He's ugly and I'm not. So, <laughs> I, but he's no not Greek lying, goddess. So. He's not, he's not, he's, you know, he's not rubbing coconuts on himself with the sun shining outside of, a, you know, Lee style, uh, clearly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's Lee Castledine, mate. Yeah, uh, I, I get you too confused. I get you too confused, Des. You're very similar looking. So. Yeah, I know. Just yeah. you want to see me with your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. boy, I wish Alice well, is good to see what happened. Put your glasses on. Yes. Um, but uh, obviously, Michelle kind of, we, we, we briefly touched on her before in terms of uh, your your comment. I mean, it was it's, it's interesting with Michelle because... Um, Whereas I said before, like, Sarah's kind of really come out on her own now and she's, she's having this really strong showing. Like, Michelle kind of has come out of nowhere in terms of this strategic player. But then it, it was kind of almost this cocky strategic player, which I was very interested about because I think I felt we just didn't... Did that warrant seeing that? I know they kind of had to justify the vote out because clearly we needed to see why Kent goes home. But this just kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. This whole Michelle is a... A cocky strategic player. I don't know if I was the only one who thought that, or if you'd kind of picked that up on Michelle previously. Yeah, look, I, I, I absolutely agree. I thought you'd come out. You know, the edit shader is very cocky. Um, strategic? No, nah, I, I didn't see any strategic thing from her except you know, took her three three goes to jump off that <laughs> buddy stand to get the key. Um, and I I think the facial expressions, and maybe it's the edit. You know, again, so. Um, but her reaction to Ken saying she was like a lazy, lazy person around the camp and didn't contribute anything, 
um, was to attack Kent as, well, what have you done? Instead of being able to, like, stick, stick her, hold her bat up and say, well, these are the runs that I look after. You know, I boil the water, I cook the food, I bloody, you know, gather the firewood or this. She didn't come out and say, I've done any of that. She just went immediately on the attack to Kent saying, well, what do you do? You know, and, of course, Kent said, I was on the block, I've done the floor and that, but... Which, which I thought was pretty good. But, I, no, I didn't say strategic in Michelle at all. I think she's she's in the numbers. She's not controlling it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see on the shake-up because I think she's she's um, probably close to pre-merge boot myself. I'd love to get your take on, on Tara because Tara is the one that the fans do not like. And um, she gets berated on social media constantly. I know with the twist last week when it looked like she was finally voted out and then clearly she wasn't, you know, everybody was like so infuriated about that. The one thing I will say that, I mean, I, I kind of, I don't dislike Tara. I don't like Tara. She's just in the middle for me. I mean, she seems like a, a decent person uh, playing-wise. Maybe she's, she's just frustrating, I feel, because she's that player who, when she's on top, the sun is shining, everything's great. When things get flipped against her, she's complaining. She's like, oh, this isn't fair. Why is this? You know, they're not listening to me. When, like, a week ago, you weren't listening to people on the bottom, and now you're on the bottom and people aren't listening to you, so you kind of know how it feels. And now she's sort of back to this p- position where she survived the the vote, obviously. She's now in a position where she's not looking like she's a threat. So, I don't know. She's just a bit frustrating as a viewer, so I can see maybe why the viewers aren't that much on Tatara, but... What's your take on, on Tara, Des? Um, look, I think, you know, they, they could have made a Tara out of a number of different players. I, I think production, like, look at someone and go, okay, we need someone that we're going to show us, you know, a bit unbalanced, a bit buddy emotional, a bit this, a bit all over the place, like a mad woman's whatever. Um, and, and production, you know, the editor said, well, we... You know that's that's going to be Tara's role. Um, I'm sure there are others that are all over the place as well, but but she's just got that kind of edit, and I and I can understand that um, she is a you know a a, a, a very thought provoking character in the show, um, and will engender a lot of the different emotions in people because they go, oh, that bloody silly ass, I wouldn't do that, or I would you know I would do this, but. Um, yeah, I, I think she's she, you know, characters like Tara need to be in the show, otherwise they'd yeah. be boring as bad shit, mate. So completely agree, completely yeah. agree. Um, I mean, and that's that's the good thing about someone like a Tara or a Luke. It's like. Yeah, I can come out each week and call Luke a dickhead or people on social media can say, oh, God, you know, Tara. Uh, but, like, as you said, like, you need them on a show like this because, I mean, one thing I'll say about your season is that I think we lost all the big characters early and that towards the end we just kind of... And this is no disrespect to our final six or final seven, but they just weren't the, the, the television entertainment that, say, uh, a Phoebe was or a Craig was or a you were, you know, or an Andrew. Like, you know, it just... it it didn't bring that same level. So we, we want people like this who we maybe know aren't going to win, who frustrate the shit out of you. But that's what makes reality TV, you know, so entertaining a lot of the time when you've got these players like this. Oh, yeah, look, totally agree. And, and it sort of probably ties back in with what we're saying about these these dud episodes. You know, the, the had, production's got to have these three non-elimination episodes. So then the fans start thinking or, you know, the viewers start thinking... Maybe they're trying to save that. Maybe they've done that on purpose to save Tara, you know? Yeah. 
like they want to keep Tara in the game. It's a bit like, you know, watching The Bachelor that, or not watching The Bachelor, watching that. Big, big, big uh, Bachelor fan, are you, Des? No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> watching that, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, and the girl who was on The Bachelor that everyone hated went on with the oh, blonde hair. yeah, yeah. You know, anyway, we digress. Uh, well, I thought I, I was getting excited there. I thought we could start a spin-off here. You and I could just host, like, Bachelor Oz. I mean, that would have been a fun show. <laughs> I don't watch it either, but, you know, we could we could stomach through it. <laughs> yes, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, no, let's uh, let's do actual better things with our life, like, I don't know, um, watch this table in front of me. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's. I, I completely agree with that for sure. And, uh, I mean... It's interesting, like, when you're saying about sometimes, you know, you like, I kind of got a vibe with this whole super idol. This was just my thought process, is that I thought that maybe they did this to try and save Henry. I don't know if that was maybe just me. I'm not, again, I'm not accusing Channel 10 of trying... I mean, we know there's slight pro- production interference every now and then when it comes to, like, wanting to save people. I still think Nick last season was saved by that twist as a bit of interference. Again, I'm just... That's a, a an opinion... I don't know anything about that. But I just kind of felt that this twist was more to save Henry and then ultimately uh, it didn't go that way and Ziggy got it. I don't know if you got a feel about that or if that's just me. Yeah, no. Nah, look, I, I 100% um, believe that production do not interfere with the, with the process. Um, you know, so... Um, you know, last year, you know, I've heard people say, oh, they want to save Nick because he was a big character. Bunkum, it was planned. Um, the whole process was in place. Um, do they know, you know, do they do, do production have a good idea of who's going? Well, there's a cameraman walking around 24-7 listening to everything that everybody said. Um, so, of course, the production have some idea about what's going down. I can tell you this, production are never blindsided. But they want the viewer to, to be blindsided or, or, you know, so they'll withhold information that they know and not show it on the telly so that you get a better viewing experience going, oh, my goodness, that was a blindside. But I would doubt the production have ever been blindsided. Well, there was, um, I know, for example, um, I'm pretty sure it was with our Danny Boatwright uh, interview, uh, spoiler alert, hashtag Danny Wins Survivor, just to bring up a old uh, an old joke on Survivor, or Danny Wins Guatemala, I should say. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was in her interview, she said there was at least one vote out on Guatemala where literally things were changed up last minute before they went to tribal, and obviously before they sort of get that lockdown where they get in the van and they're driven to tribal council, you know, you're not allowed to speak and all that sort of stuff. And basically, uh, production had no clue. And I, I, I can't even remember who it was who got voted out. And apparently they got really talked down to by the producers. They were like, you can't do this. You can't not let us know who's going home. You know, you can't decide this last minute. Um, and, yeah, I found that very fascinating. Because, like, I, yeah, I, I I assume, as you said, like, the it's, it's like that. Uh, we brought this up, I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it was with our Katie or our Lance interview from the very first Channel 9 Survivor. Um, if you, if you ever, you know, suck through that and watch through the very original Australian Survivor, how Lincoln will bring up things in camp that have happened that he wasn't there for, but clearly he knows because he's been told. And I know Jeff Propes has famously said in the past that, oh, I don't know anything that's happening in camp, you know, and it's like, well, bullshit, Jeff. Uh, you're an executive producer. We know you do. So yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting to kind of, 
think about that and in terms of how that would work. And, I mean, Jono does a good job in kind of not letting on that he knows anything or not. But, I mean, you know, that's just, I guess, how you've got to be a good host in doing that. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Just that Guatemala, was that that Gary blonde, blonde old guy, ex-footballer boot that you're talking uh, about? It might be. I, I, I think I'm pretty sure it might have been an earlier v- boot though from memory. Um, I, I, I mean it's been a, that that interview was several. I mean it's one of it was a great interview. Danny really sold her game well. I mean Guatemala kind of has a lot of problems in terms of the fans because of the editing in it. But I think it's it makes it interesting when you hear little stories like that. I'm pretty sure it was one of the earlier earlier boots. Uh, so if it wasn't if where... it wasn't Danny who brought it up, it was Brian Corridan. It was one of the uh, it might have even been Brian Corridan who brought it up on our show. But I definitely know there was somebody on Guatemala who. Uh, got voted out, they blindsided the producers and they got told off for basically not, uh, you know, informing them who was going home, essentially. So that was the Stephanie and uh, Stephanie Bobby and John. Danny, yeah, Bobby John, the one that they got brought yeah, back yeah, yeah, yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Mm. Yeah. So there's some interesting tidbits. That brings there. back memories, thinking of that show. But yeah, go it's on. A, it's, it's, a, it's a very underrated season, Des. Very, very underrated. Um, and, I, and I always stand by the fact that, the, that Danny to me, is one of the, the most, um, I guess, individual winners and one of the most the most intelligent winners because in her interview with me, like, a lot of people will say they didn't like Danny as a winner because we never saw her and we never really saw her game. Danny explained that that was strategy. She knew, because she worked in television, so she knew that if she went into a confessional and gave away her game, the producers were going to take elements of what she said and say, go to Stephanie and be like, oh, so do you think that, uh, you know, Lydia's a target tonight? Because, you know, Danny brought it up in her confessional and planting those seeds to get sort of, you know, things talking. So Danny deliberately would hold her cards close to her chest, not tell the producers basically anything. And to me, that's almost manipulating the TV show. And I think that deserves credit because who who manipulates the process of the TV show rather than just the players out there? I think that's brilliant. Yeah, bloody don't tell Nick Ladanza that, mate. He'll be studying <laughs> books on it for when he goes back. <laughs> well, you know, I've got to I've got to keep that close to my chest now too, Des. So when I'm on the next season and and live up to the actual bed name, um, so. <laughs> You better grow your bloody hair, mate, or you're not going to get picked. <laughs> True. And I've got to be Ben Beast. I want you to be um, tweeting next season Ben Beast mode and actually mean it more so than this Ben. So <laughs> <laughs> That's my new goal in life. Uh, now, we're going to get to some of these list of questions very, very shortly uh, because we've got a lot here and they're going to they're gonna cover a, a whole heap going forward with this. Just on the Super Idol, though, look, we've talked about the process of getting to see it. You know, it, it was ridiculous how they did it. But uh, uh, to, so to go over these powers from, from memory, so she basically has two parts to an idol. One cancels out another person's idol. The other is used as a, a generic idol. And if used together, are they then, does that, you can use it after the vote? Did I, did I pick up on that or was that third part not in it? I've just made that up. Um, no, no, I, I think you've, you've got it. The only thing that you've left out is it's, uh, and I had to re-listen to her reading that clue a couple of times, but it only knocks out one idol. Right. So, so if she happened to be at a tribal council and two idols were played at the same time, 
The super idol doesn't knock out both the other idols. It only knocks out one. One, okay. Now, she specifically read that out when, when she read it. Um, and it said, from what she read out, that if she plays the super idol to knock out someone else's idol, she also um, can save, you know, you can't vote for Sarah if she plays it. Right. So that's how I understood their verbiage, you know, from what they showed us. Um, yeah. I, I think the more interesting thing about this whole, you know, you know how the super idol gets played and, 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 and whatever probably depends on how many other idols are in play. I'm pretty sure that she's allowed to play it last. So if you had the super idol and let's say Henry plays his idol first, then she would wait and play the super idol second so that she could negate Henry's. I would assume that's how I would, I would think because I mean, yeah, that would make for a best viewing. It would make the most sense too, because like, if you think about it, if they're like, Ziggy, you have to now play this and cancel out anybody's idol because then nobody's going to play their idol, are they? It's like, oh, I'm going to play this on the off chance that Dez plays his hidden idol. You're just going to be like, yep. uh, well, sorry, Ziggy, not going to play it then. Cool. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the somebody asked me something about the idol um, after Sunday night's episode. They were talking about, oh, what, what would have happened is if Annalise and, and Sarah, if that had gone a bit different and, and um, Sarah had got up and got the idol first and took that back and, and so on. And I said to them, well, when you go to play Survivor, the rules are given to you prior to the game start and basically they say this, if you find an idol, it's yours. You can give it to somebody else if you want to, if you put it in your bag, nobody can steal it from you. But if you hide it and someone else finds it, it's theirs. Mm, mm -hmm. Now, here's the rub. If you put it in your bag, I can tell you, you can't carry that damn bag with you 24-7 while you're on that island. Mm-hmm. So at some stage, you've got to go and, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, go and have a whatever. Um, <laughs> no, I don't mean one of them. I mean, you know. Go to the bathroom, Des. Go, yes. go, to, the, go to the bathroom, yes. Yeah. Um, so anybody, like, you're allowed to go and fill people's bags or go through them. They don't, they don't stop you doing that. So... Obviously, you're not allowed to take from the bag. Is, you can see. As soon as uh, Rowan heads off to the buddy, whatever, you know, I'll go and search through his bag just to make sure he hasn't got an idol. Yeah. I, I, I'd search through anybody's bags. <laughs> so if it's it, and if I find it, I can't steal it because that's in the rules. Yeah. Now, if Rowan goes and hides the idol and I watch him, and I say, oh, I think he's hiding an idol, and I go and steal it, then it's mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah? So, so in this whole yeah. whole in this whole Sarah Annalise thing, what Sarah should have done was said to Annalise, don't keep it in your bag because one of them other contestants is going to find out and know that you've got it in your bag. Let's go and hide it. 
And then once Annalisa's hidden it, Sarah should have gone it. back to stalling it. <laughs> That's what I That's would have clever. Done. Yeah, I'm not surprised no one's done that. Like, I mean, it's... It's interesting how we kind of get this, these pairings. Obviously, we had it with Rowan and Phoebe last season. We had it with Jackie and Henry this season. And now, obviously, we've got it with Annalise and Sarah. So, it's kind of... it's. I've never thought about it that way before, Des. That's clever. You're giving me some strategic ideas for when I play the game. So, uh, thank you. If I, When I'm on the season next year and I pull that move off, I'm going to turn to the camera and I'm going to be like, that's that's the uh, the Des Idol move. Copyright yeah, well, Des Quilting, maybe, 2017. Maybe you better delete that whole piece of advice out of this podcast, <laughs> mate, because otherwise there's going to be how many listeners have you got? About 40,000. Both of them, both yeah. of them, if they're on yeah. the show. Uh. Yeah, so 40,000 applications for Survivor next year are going, I'm going to do the Des Idol trick. Hmm. <laughs> well, it worked, they had the bloody Tyler Perry Idol one season, didn't they? So we can have the Dell's Quilty Idol, why not? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting we had these like two big idols moves like i mean i'm i'm a fan of them hiding the idol in the challenge i think it makes a great tension i think what i mean we've already talked about that aspect earlier in the fact that i think what cancelled that tension out was random henry giving the clue away um but yeah i I like the fact that you know i loved annalise's little move there where she was disappointed and she sat in the bench and she was like oh and then she like reached it shoved it in the pants i was like got it (laughs) i just think that was really really uh smart yeah, look, I, when she first sat down on that box and picked the idol up, she didn't, like, pick it up and stick it up her shirt. She sort of, like, stuck it up her bum. So, <laughs> And I thought, how's she going to stand up and walk along with that bloody thing stuck in the backside and then try and get it up into her shorts? So, yeah, I, I, I was a bit surprised at how she did that. But, you know, all credit to her, she got, she got that bloody idol and no one knew, so... Yeah, and I think, just to clarify, just kind of in reading here and a bit of notes of the Ziggy Super Idol, I actually don't think uh, if she plays both parts, she can cancel out votes afterwards. I'm not sure if that was specifically clarified, but I mean, I, that would make sense, but that's obviously how they've done it in the past in, in the US version. But look, I am not taking away from the actual idol. I'm, in, in terms of what we were saying before about complaining about this twist, I think it was just the execution of seeing it. I think it's always interesting when we get something like a super idol with new powers. This this whole, like, cancelling out another idol to play an idol, I think that's that's quite... That could be quite a, a dramatic tribal should that happen. I mean, it was kind of what was it? Um, the in game changes with Cerise and and Sarah's little play that I can't remember the specifics of that. But I mean, that was kind of it was a, a unique taste, a take. But I mean, obviously, what we're going to see next week though uh, is how Ziggy going to explain this because it's not like they all don't know that she's gotten this uh, you know ultimate reward. Uh, if if I was Ziggy, I'd just come back to camp and just be like. Yeah, Lee showed up in a Holden trailblazer and I won myself a Holden. That was the ultimate reward. And then cancel it out. No questions asked. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure AK has got that. Um, that You know how Kent, Kent reckons he's got a dickhead detector? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think AK's got a bull, bullshit detector. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I don't think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the best strategy for anybody in future stuck in that position is to go back to camp and go, here's a big lie. Whatever. I didn't find the idol. And my consolation was this box of fruit. <laughs> then. Cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Well, whatever it is she brings back in that box, yeah? Yeah. 
then I would get my alliance together and say, this is what really happened. Yeah. I have got a super idol. We can use it as a team. The power is it can negate another idol. I wouldn't tell them the second part that it actually will save me if I play it. Yeah. But it can wipe out. I, I don't know if I said that before. So what I understand is this super idol will cancel one, only one other idol play. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. I mean, I, I as long as they, as long as she explains it a little bit better than Nick did last season, because I think Nick kind of. Um, Went into it telling one lie and then kind of dug himself out of it and then, you know, dear old Craig and Andrew kind of called him out for it. But, um, yeah, I just I just hope she does a better job than Nick did last season. Uh, look, I've spoken a few to those of our people from last year. They instantly knew Nick was bullshit. <laughs> they just called him They just called him BS straight away. The, the, edit, the edit tried to show that they sort of, you know, half took it, half didn't. But unfortunately, Tegan, he got probably even less than a Bennett edit last year, uh, a Ben edit last year. Um, her face just give it away. They, they mm. just, Nick's, Nick's telling the bullshit story and he was half believable. But they're looking at Tegan's face and Tegan's going... Oh my God, Nick, that's so bloody, you know, whatever. Anyway. You know, you, you know, look, I, I'm going to be flat out honest in saying this. I have not listened to one episode of Nick's podcast, but I kind of want to listen to it this week to try and hear him say, oh, this is what Ziggy should do next week. And just kind of sit there and go, really, Nick? Really? Is that what she should do? <laughs> Hello, Nick, if you're listening. Um, now, we're, we're, we're obviously going to have the switch next week or emerge or, I mean, look, who knows what it is. I mean, we've kind of touched on that a little bit. What, what's your prediction with this? Are we going to have another switch? Do you think we're merging? What is your prediction of what is going to happen next week? Um, I'm hoping that they just drop your buffs and there is some random, not production uh, decided process, but a random process, raw rocks or whatever, two tribes. That, that's tribes. what I'm hoping. I don't want. I don't think it'll go to three three tribes. Are we at fifteen though? Are we at fifteen people? So wouldn't it make sense to go to three tribes? No, I, I, I can't see it going to three tribes because production cost, camera crew cost, buddy, extra fine. I just I can't see them doing it. I, I'm pretty sure they're just going to stay with the team, split it up, random draw, and and I think the random draw. Will will give you the strongest indication as to who goes far and who doesn't. Um, like at the moment we've got eight men and seven women. If um, if four of them girls um, can stay together, um, I, I think that they've got the strongest the strongest chance going deeper in the game. Maybe they might do it given that there's an odd number of people. So, like, whoever doesn't get chosen or something like that goes to Exile Beach and then they're just brought back into the tribe of after whoever gets voted out. I mean, they've done that before. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting, obviously, with an odd split there how they might handle that because obviously uh, I mean, we, I mean, I know one tribe obviously clearly has an advantage of the other. So, they might just say, well, uh, what is it? Summertow have one extra member, don't they? So they just might be like, oh, Summertow's got an extra member, so you also get the extra member. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible at predicting shit, Des. That's why I asked you. I thought you might have had a better... Uh, you, know, I, I, you probably do, so... <laughs> but, well, I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing what you said is going to be the go. I, I don't okay. think there'll be an Exile Beach and 
you know, you vote someone out and then you get a, a second shot because that disadvantages the the tribe that, that won the thing. So, yeah, I'm guessing they're going to tribe swap and that eight people will go on one tribe and seven will go on the other. Okay. And, well, we'll... and perhaps um, the, um, the tribe that, like, I would love to see them go... Um, uh, what's the tribe Ziggy's on called again? Summertow. Yeah. So I, I would love to see um, Jonathan say, Summertow, you've won a huge advantage. And a further part of that is Ziggy is the captain of one team. You, we're now tribe swapping. Ziggy, you pick first and you pick you know, they do like a pick, pick, pick back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Because yeah. then Ziggy could Ziggy could be in a position to stack her tribe with her alliance. But I don't know, Sunday. I'm looking. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't follow spoilers. I, I used to be back in the day on um, on chat rooms, like I'm talking. You know, 15, 16 years ago, and follow different threads about what's happening. But I don't go anywhere near that the Reddit or anything like that now. So, yeah, I'm purely just like plucking it out of me bum like every other spectator, <laughs> eh? You need a podcast, Des. You, you, you'll have a, a future profession in this sort of stuff. This is what we try and do every week. <laughs> no, mate. You, you guys are too clever for me. I, I, I'll just sit on this side of the desk. You can press all them buttons, eh? <laughs> Look, it worked like years ago. I remember when uh, we had Russell Hans on the show once. I joked about him having a podcast, and he's got one now. So uh, I'll give you two or three years, and we'll be listening to uh, live coming to you from the Sunshine Coast. It's Des has a podcast. Uh, <laughs> mate, when, when I got my oil well, like Russell, and I can afford to pay some girl to run all my bloody. I might get Canning to do that, eh? She might hey, do it. Oh, bring your latte <laughs> every single episode. Yeah. <laughs> He's your latte, can, sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, now, before you she won't listen questions... to this anyway. No, probably not. She's too busy drinking lattes. Um, what are we going to do with these episodes <laughs> in, t- in terms of... Um, Buying it, binning it, or renting. Let's start with the Sunday night episode. Uh, you previously mentioned you liked it, so how would you rate this, Des? Would you buy it? Would you rent it? Or would you bin it? Uh, no, I'd, I'd absolutely buy Sunday night's episode without without a doubt. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to rent it. Uh, I I mean, I think it had uh, it was it was a fine episode. I didn't dislike it, <laughs> not like last night's. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it kind of lived up to the standards of the first ones. But yeah, I'm just going to be a bit neutral there and and rent that one. And last night, well, I mean, you know, I'm going to bin it. <laughs> I mean, I called it one of the worst episodes in the history of Survivor. So uh, I will bin Monday night's episode. What are you going to do with Monday night's episode? Oh, well, I'm, I'm only retentive, mate. I need to know what happened. So I'm going to rent it and watch it once and then probably bin it. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of, you know, not return it back to Blockbuster. They yeah, can but I, I definitely see what's happened and then, pfft, gone. Yeah, 
Gone. Done. All right. Now, we're going to get to these listed questions. Uh, as I say every single week on uh, these episodes, if you have any listener questions you want to send into our guests, just follow us on our social medias. You'll see who we've got coming on the show, and you can send in the questions. We usually post it on the weekend to give you a few days to get some of these questions in. And, of course, just search for the Oz Network on Facebook, Twitter. You'll find us there. And I mentioned to this to you off-air, Des, and I'm going to say this to you now on-air. This is a record number of questions I have received for an Australian Survivor contestant. So, sorry, Evan. Sorry, Andrew. Sorry, Craig. Sorry, Phoebe. Sorry, Lance. Sorry, Katie. Uh, we've broken the mould here. Des has brought a shitload of questions, and we're going to try and get through these. Uh, as always, some of these, of course, do get answered throughout the interview. Some of these are sort of repeat questions, but I'll try and get through as many of these as I can to get all your names out there on air. I'm going to start off here with Riley Johnston. Um, thank you, Riley, for your question. Riley says... Who from your tribe are you still close with? I'm a huge fan, and you're a fucking legend. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, you mean from Aganawa, Riley? Is is that what he wants? I'm going to, to assume. I'm going to assume that is the case, given that I guess that was the only tribe you were on. Ah, uh, well, um, I hope. Uh, sorry, Riley, if you're a girl, not a boy. I, I think that's a a bisexual, uh, not a you know, like from either side. Um. The person on my tribe that I keep in touch with the most um, and talk to, you know, at least every couple of weeks is L. Nice. So, L. L. L's the answer. Thanks, Riley. Does does L get to drive Lee's Holden much? Um, No. uh, Lee actually drives an Audi, mate. But anyway. (laughs) You've ruined the illusion now. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, somebody somebody asked me, "Oh, why aren't you doing the holding ads?" And I said, "Oh no, Lee Lee needed to work more than me, so I flicked it on to him, mate." But, but yeah, oh, no, that's yeah, no. I, I want to see them redo those ads now with with an Audi, and you know, my tribe is in the back, and I'm listening to new music, and he puts on like classical music, driving. Around. His kids are in little suits. I <laughs> know. Uh, I think his Audi goes pretty quickly. Hey, it's like <laughs> them fast ones. Um, oh, brilliant! But, but like, look, uh, L is the most empathetic and, like, nicest person you'd ever be, meet. If she had got to the final in in uh, season one, she would have won hands down grandstand over anybody else on that on that show. She's there just, like, a, a, a top person. Yeah, anyway. Perfect. Moving right. on. Thank you, Riley, for your question. Uh, we are now <laughs> going to go into the first of about 700 questions about Kat. Uh, Reuben Johnston <laughs> asked the question... How is your relationship with Kat now that your season is over? Yeah, I, I think I said before, I'm, I'm pretty happy Kat lives in Perth and I live on the <laughs> Sunshine Coast. We, we actually haven't met in person since the show. I, I, probably, um, I probably don't really want to do that before I die, but, you know, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> 
Wow, that's uh, yeah, a good answer. Thank you, Reuben, for that one. Um, I don't, I'm not actually sure what all these other cat questions are. They might be the similar one, but we'll soon find out. Um, all right, so Layla, this is actually the the first question. I got this question, I think, like at the end of last week. So I got this even before we announced that you're on the show. But obviously, Layla must have listened to our last episode with Katie because we obviously teased that we might be having you on the show. So Layla says, uh, listening to Russell Hans' podcast with Billy Garcia right now, uh, watch the opening intro. I'm guessing she means listening to the opening intro. Uh, he honoured you, Ben, in some way. That clip of Sari is from your interview with her from Survivor Oz. Please bring Sari back on your show too, by the way. Uh, I hope my comment will be on your recap episode next week. If Des is on your podcast next week, let him know how much I love that legend. He has good taste in liking Sari. P.S. Why not do a joint podcast? We might get you on the show in the future and get you and Sari together. Have you ever interacted with Sari before, Des? No, but... Um... I'm 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 glad you mentioned it. I, I don't know if you know, but Sari is my favourite um, character from Survivor. Um, right, probably, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, no. Everybody always asks me who's my favourite character. Not not the best player, my favourite character. Um, although she's not far from the best player either. Um, it's always been Sari, and I think it's because we come from the same potato patch, mate. <laughs> but both afraid of leaves at one point in your life, were you? Or <laughs> no, no, both couch potatoes, mate. Right, okay, just to clear that. Um, so I, I mean, I had. Well, uh, look, if, if we can make that happen, I'll definitely make it happen because we've had Sari on a couple of times before. I, I, I had the pleasure of meeting her recently in LA when I was there for the Game Changers finale and just such a beautiful person, such an amazing person to hang out with. I got, I got as almost excited meeting a husband HB as I did in, in meeting Sari because obviously, you know, all those great seasons where HB came as a, as a family guest. But, uh, for sure, Layla, if we can, uh, if we can get Sari back on, we might have to have an appearance with Des on, uh, that too. We're, we're, we're still, I guess going to look towards who what US contestants we're going to get on obviously during the upcoming US season we haven't sort of finalised anything I know somebody requested Debbie last week and, and Sari of course so uh, we'll, we'll take a look at that um, and in terms of what you say later about uh, the clip from the interview I did go back and listen to that introduction and I do believe that uh, clip that Russell used in his introduction is from uh, one of my interviews with Sari so uh, thank you Russell for for using that clip um I appreciate it. I, I don't know if I own like copyright over that and I'm meant to get money for it. I don't know. I mean, more people probably, more people probably listen to that clip in the introduction of his podcast and listen to the actual interview. So I probably got a boost in rating somewhere. So I'll take it. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Layla. Uh, Leah P. Now, Leah says, Des, I listened to a previous interview you did where you talked about being a part of the Survivor fan base since the very beginning, posting on online forums. You, you just mentioned that before. You mentioned, I think, about the editing even before it became a thing in the Survivor community. OMG, just when you couldn't be any more amazing. Anyways, enough with my fangirling over you. My question is, if you could be on any American Survivor season as a player, which one would it be and why? Uh, what was that lady's name again? Uh, her name is Leah. Leah. If I could be on any American Survivor season... Uh, it's um, it's no, no brainer. I'll be on Pearl Islands. Pearl Islands, right? Yeah, Pearl Islands. I'd want to be on that ship with Rupert stealing the shoes, 
I'm getting me pirate hat on. Um, you reckon Johnny Depp will put us a pirate? You want to see me as a pirate? I'd be freaking awesome. Rupert would hold <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely Pearl Islands. One of, one of my one of my most enjoyable watching seasons. I I, I just. Question. Thank you, Leah. I, I just want to see that for the, the fact that um you coming back to camp and, like, yelling at Cat, going, Who the hell voted for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could see No, Ben, Cat would have been hung out the dry way before that. True. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Of course she would have been. Uh, thanks, Leah, again for that question. Now, uh, moving on here to Ruth Marie. Ruth Marie says, Dez is my all-time favourite first boot. I have huge faith that you will be back on our screens in an all-star season. If not, we riot. So, first of all, Ruth Marie's ready to start a riot. Uh, she then asks, if you were not voted off first and good old Cat... Cafe Latte Girl went home. Who are you planning on making an alliance with going forward? Um, what's that lady's name again? Her name is Ruth Marie. Ruth Marie. Um, I actually already had uh, an alliance formed um, within like about the first hour. Um, so as I said sort of earlier, the girls had. Um, formed an all-girls alliance and um, Phoebe had formed a, like, boys, girls, boys, girls with, you know, Rowan and Lee. Um, I sort of tried to start an oddball alliance, I called it. Um, <laughs> so I got hold of Christy within, like, the first 40 minutes um, and uh, said to her, look, I, I think we can work together or whatever. Um, Christy come back within about an hour and a half and said, yep, yeah, I'm in with you. And by the way, she told me there's an all-girls alliance going on. So I sort of already knew about the girls thing. I didn't know about the other two. Um, and I said to Christy, who will we go after next? And she said, we've got to get Evan in. And I said, all right, I'll go and work on him. You go and try and work on Phoebe. Because I figured Phoebe was like the most cunning player. So Christy was supposedly working on Phoebe. She told me about the All Girls Alliance with Cat. I went and worked on Evan, and Evan gave me his word that he would never vote for me and that me, him, and Christy were like a solid three. And we were trying to get Phoebe and Rowan over because I knew that L would be too much mateship, let's call it, with Don't Lee. use that word on the show. Do not use that word on the show. That's a, that's a, that's a taboo word, mateship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really fucking sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, say fuck all you want. Just don't say the M word, yeah. right? Good. Um, yeah, so so that's where that was headed. Um, and uh, and thanks for wanting to ever see me back, but I've got to lose about 40 kilos and I probably won't live that long anyway. So you'll just have to watch replays of season one, episode one last year if you want to see my ugly mug again, eh? Uh, Ruth adds at the end of that, uh, if you had made it far enough that you ended up on the vow, who were you hoping to have worked uh, with from the other tribe? Uh, look, that's a no-brainer. Um, I'd, I'd actually already bumped into Craig um, earlier, uh, so, like, prior to the game. Um, not that we had anything happening, but like, it wasn't something I declared to Channel 10 because 
I didn't know that he knew that I knew that we knew or whatever it is. Um, but definitely Craig and definitely Andrew. A Andrew, uh, you know, not not physically adroit like me. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I knew he was a cunning fox. Like as soon as I spotted him, without even talking to him. So yeah, definitely Andrew and uh, and uh, and Craig. I'd say. Perfect. I've, I mean, just a side side note, kind of just going on your episode. I know we didn't talk a whole lot in terms about your time there, but I mean, the, the one question I guess that I have that I haven't sort of brought up in this interview, in terms of your edit, it was shown that, you know, you're supposedly sitting back and letting people do the work and then you finally decide that you want to work. Was that edited to a certain way or was that legitimately your strategy? Oh, no, that was... The, when I got home and saw the first episode, I was completely gobsmacked. Um, from day one, dot one, um, Kat decided that she was going to lead the tribe and she knew what was going on, whatever. Um, she clearly had no idea. I, I jumped on the show and said, oh, yes, I'm ex-army, but I just work in the stores. I've got no idea about being out in the bush or whatever. Well, you know... Obviously, that was bullshit. I spent, like, a lot of time out in the jay. But um, I, from the from the get-go, I organised everybody to get water. They thought they had to go through this whole process or whatever. And any rate, so we were drinking water sort of pretty quickly because of my efforts. I built the first shelter. As in, I set up the beams, I picked the spot. Um, they initially wanted to set up a spot facing the wrong way. It was out underneath big coconut trees. It could drop on your head and, like, bang your brains out. I basically said on the first night, these two big trees here, they'll keep us out of the rain. I knew what the tide was going to be because I looked up the tide charts before I went on Samara. I knew high tide, low tide, what time of night, where the stars were the time. I showed them how to um, make matting. I showed them how to make beds. I showed them how to chop coconuts. Evan didn't even know how to open up a coconut. Well, <laughs> if you're going to go on Survivor, that's something you want to look up. So I was helpful, extremely helpful, and showed people how to do a whole lot of stuff from the get-go. But the edit decided that... They had to have a reason why I was going to get booted out. And the reason was, Kat's perspective of me was, I won't do what Kat says, therefore we'll show Des as lazy. And some of the comments that I'd made, um, you know, I said, I'm going to try and do as little physical work as possible and sit in the background like Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> and, and I made other comments which were taken out of context and strung together so that it looked like, I was just a lazy bloke who, after two days, decided to all do all this shit. But most of the shit that you saw I was doing, I was actually doing from the get-go. But that was the wow. character that they wanted out of me as, which mm. you, that's what you sign up for, right? You sign up for it, but it still must be frustrating to kind of see that. You're probably screaming to me, that's not what happened! <laughs> oh, man... Uh, <laughs> I had people ringing me up saying, Des, we've known you for 40 years. We never knew you were a lazy bastard, you know? <laughs> and, and, and it's because I'm not. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, Ben, that, that, um, 
that that was the whole edit story told to you, and and it suited the story, and you know for sure. That's yeah. what again, that's as what we were talking before, is, before, and that's what you got to yeah. tell. And as we were mentioning before about, you know, fans, I mean, we know they've got to tell a story with these people that get voted out at a certain point and, um, you know, fair enough. But, yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. I think that's that would be how I've always said if I get on Survivor, I'm generally, if I if I don't, if I'm not the first boot, I reckon I can go pretty far. But there's a high chance that I'm going to be the first boot. So, um, I couldn't imagine that my storyline would be any different than that. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway. I, I mean, I think you undersell yourself. That I think the key thing here is, when you land on Survivor, if you're in a tribe of eight, you got a one in one in eight place to hide. If you're in a tribe of twelve, you got a one in twelve place to hide. And a bit like Kent, I think if Kent had been on a tribe of eight, there's no doubt he would have been Gonski first. So mm. it More depends the on the mix up of the tribe, you know, and what True. other skills are there. Um, I did hear like off the record that the 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 production people wanted or not wanted, but planned the Aganoa composition of people to give them the maximum implosion effect in the first episode. So if people think that, you know, uh, eight random people landed on Aganoa and there was these kinds of personalities that would clash with these kinds of personalities and that was just chance, well, they're kidding themselves. Mm, so the composition of the tribes is, you know, obviously key to yeah. to picking the contestants and and setting up explosive episodes to start. I mean, if you look at this season, the first four episodes have been enormous because of the character conflict that they've put into the two different tribes. But anyway, I, yeah. I, I go on. Yeah. For sure. No, no, I, de- I definitely see that, but, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, let's get into the next one here. Jean. Now, Jean, two of her... Qu- she's got three questions here, but two of them have already been answered. So she uh, asks, what's the relationship like between Kat and you? We've already gone over that one. She also asks, uh, who do you keep with in touch in your season? We've obviously gone... Well, we, I guess, okay, we can clarify that one. We know who you keep in touch with from your tribe, uh, but you mentioned Andrew. I mean, are there other people from your season that you all... Because, I mean, Andrew only lives down the road from you, does he not? He lives in Brisbane. Yeah, look, Andrew's in Brisbane. We've been to a couple of charity events together and, you know, get on good. Um, There's probably about eight or ten people that I see quite regularly, well, you know, communicate with quite regularly. Um, Flick, Bianca, um, Andrew, Lee, Earl, um, Evan. um, Talk talk off and on with Rowan, depending on when he's in the country or, you know, so on. Um, talk with Nick, uh, talk with Matt. Um, I suppose it'd be easy to say to people I, I don't converse with that often. Um, ha- I've never spoken with Sam. <laughs> like, never spoken with Sam. But wow. I haven't said a word to him. Um, never met him. Uh, never met Sue. Uh, have conversed with her on the, you know, that's on disappointing the in a way though, Des, because I could see you two would be great hanging out with each other. That'd be, I'm, I'm sad that we never got to see you guys like working together out there. That would have been fun. Mm. Um, you know, Tegan uh, spoke, uh, communicated a little bit with JL, but never, never spoke to her or met her. So yeah, I think it's, it's funny you, you have this experience with 24 other people, but. There's probably eight or nine of them are just complete strangers telling me that they don't know anything about me and I don't know anything about them, to be honest. 
Yeah, and well, I found that interesting. Aside, aside in, from what television says. Yeah, I, and I found that very interesting. I, I know uh, through the recaps we did during the US one with um, with Craig, Andrew, and Phoebe, and kind of obviously because you guys didn't have the the reunion or anything like that. So um, it's a unique thing for for Survivor to kind of have you guys not ever having conversed with each other. So. Hopefully that that can change one day. You guys can all uh, get together and have your own uh, reunion or something like that. Just Cat will be on the different side of the room to you or something like that. So, uh. <laughs> hey, well, well, Ben, there's there's some stuff on social media at the moment about talking about. Okay, well, there's going to be live reunion this year for um, you know Survivor Two and maybe the Survivor One people go or whatever. I just I'd like to go on the record with this. Um. Whatever team won the grand final last year, that was their year. Whatever team wins the grand final this year, that's their year. So Survivor 2 live final reunion, I think, should be for the Survivor 2 players and the fans. I don't think Survivor 1 people should go, not any of them, because their season is gone, their sun is set. It's the time for Survivor 2 players to be in the limelight. They should have the live reunion and the fans should go. And if Channel 10 come to me and say, do you want to go to a Survivor 2 um, thing? I would only attend if there was no, I wouldn't, I don't, I will not be on the camera or saying anything because it's the Survivor 2's time to shine. Survivor 1 is gone, finished. And I know there's some Survivor 1 people who think that they need more time in the limelight, but I completely disagree. So, so basically, you just want to be a fan in the audience and, and not I kind of there. I would go as a fan, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, to me. I wanted to say that because I've had some people saying to me, oh, no, this is bullshit, Survivor 1 should go, and, and I completely disagree, to be honest. Well, from what from what I've heard uh, is that, there, I mean, there's some sort of whispers coming out about what they're doing with this uh, this live, uh, quote, live uh, finale. Uh, there's, you know, a bit of whispers out there that it's going to be pre-recorded and that, um, you know, only a couple of season, you know, you say season one, I still say season three, people are going to be invited into the audience. Um, so, I mean, look, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think that definitely it is about the, those, um, the people from your, uh, from season, this season that should be focused. And I think kind of the US one has skewed a little bit in constantly bringing back fucking Cochrane every five seconds. We get it. Jeff, you like Cochrane. We don't need to see him every uh, season. Uh, but, yeah, that's obviously another topic of debate. Uh, Gene also adds here, though, uh, for you, Des, would you have voted for Christy or Lee at the final Tribal Council if you were on the jury? I uh, would have voted for Lee in a heartbeat. There you go. He would have picked up in his Audi and celebrated that half a million dollars with you. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that would happen. <laughs> uh, Miranda asked a question here Thanks Miranda for your question first of all uh, She says What is your favourite challenge of all time on Survivor And which challenge would you have loved to have been involved in So there's a three part question here And which is the worst So basically Your favourite all time challenge on Survivor Your least favourite challenge all time on Survivor And what would have you liked to have been involved in um, I think I- I'll start with my favourite one I I always liked that challenge that, um, now, I think it was, I think it was uh, Heroes versus Villains where, oh, was it Stephanie popped their shoulder on the beach? Yeah. They go yeah. down the beach and and uh, Sugar got her top ripped off and yeah. <laughs> you get the pixelation from, from American TV. Um, I, I thought that was one of the best, like 
first up challenges for the start of a season that, oh, you know, that that's the one that springs to memory yeah. um, the most. Um, Did you have a worse challenge that you can think of? Yeah, look, uh, I, I remember when I got picked to go on the show and and I, uh, I went back and watched because I've got all 34 seasons on my computer, don't tell the... I didn't the, hear that. No, no, yeah, well, uh, yeah on, on a stick or something, whatever. Um, Legally provided to you by CBS, of course. They're very uh, nice to uh, contestants of Australian Survivor. Uh, nothing illegal in that at all. Oh, thank you, uh, Ben, for being very liberal with the truth there, mate. Um, You're welcome. The, um, the worst challenge I remember was seeing these poor buggers um, and I think one of them got their pants ripped off and was running nude and then somebody else ripped their pants off and ran nude as well uh, in sympathy. <laughs> um, I think it was Andrew, Andrew uh, Savage. Yeah, yeah, I think that and, was, was and they that had Pearl to, Islands. Uh, was it Pearl Islands? They had to run through a jungle. They had to carry something large as they were running through the yeah, jungle. Yeah, they had to dismantle their car, run through yeah. the jungle, and then Pretty pull sure the would've... bloody thing up the beach with bloody wheels or whatever. It would have been I Pearl Islands like, with Savage on it. Yeah, yeah. That like that is the challenge that I dreaded. I just would be waiting in the hotel before the game started, <laughs> thinking, Jesus, bloody hell, if they had this. Oh, there's no way I'm going to sit on the bloody cart. We're going to come last. I, I just, I, I was just dreading that we would have a challenge like that to start. But yeah, yeah. Thanks well, for you your go. question, mate. Mm. Next time, next time around on All Stars, they might bring that one back after listening to uh, this uh, interview. Who knows? Uh, now, uh, thank you, Miranda, for that one. Uh, now, I'm excited for this question because this uh, question comes from uh, a fellow Hobart Survivor fan who I've recently been started to talk to on Twitter. You know how rare it is to find people in my city uh, that you don't know and that are also Survivor fans. So uh, shout out here to Nikki Boxall uh, for your question. She says, can you ask Des what your opinion on AK is? Uh, she's interested to see if former players think he is controlling his alliance is smart or not and what his ultimate downfall will be. Now, I know we kind of touched on AK and you gave a bit of an opinion there, but uh, I don't know if you've got really anything more to, to add on him because I guess Nikki here is kind of interested in finding out if you think he's controlling or I guess he's going to he's been led up to a, a big downfall, so to speak. Um, I, I, I think that uh, AK, uh, Nikki, is, is a very smart player. Um, he's... He, he, he appears to be um, doing uh, or, or performing actions specifically to try and drive an outcome. I'm not sure how much of that is an edit and how much of that is, um, you know, just him naturally. He, he seems to me when he's not acting to be a very sincere and likeable guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the game he's playing. I think he's playing too hard, too early for this phase of the game. I think he did have to play that way when, once he realised he came out of the gates, you know, like a bull um, and was obviously in trouble after the first 24 hours from the edit um, and, and realised that he needs to pull back. But... I'm not sure that he's 
realised he needs to pull back a lot further than he is. He's he's obviously in a in a key deep relationship with Jared, who who I think is the guy with the best chance of winning as a guy. Um, but yeah, I like his game. I think he's a good game player. Do I think he's going to play the? Do I think his game play will get him a win? Nah, I don't think so. But All good right. question. Good question, Nicky. Thank you very much uh, there. Now, uh, I'm going to skim through some of these. still got a lot to go here, but I'll just go through some of the shorter ones here and we'll go over some of the other ones here as well. Uh, Gabriel asked a question. What was pre-game Ponderosa camp like? Did you have any pre-game interactions with anyone even uh, before the game started? Well, you answered that one already, obviously, with Craig. So, so what happened there with Craig? How did that come about? How did you guys sort of bump into each other? Yeah, I I probably don't want to say too much about the Craig uh, thing, but um, uh, obviously Craig from Brisbane, uh, you know, from Queensland. Um, so I'll let you speculate on sort you of. You were both getting a latte. Uh, no, no. <laughs> um, we'd actually never spoke, uh, and and the other person in that sort of. Uh, thing was um, flick. We'd actually never spoke, but we had met. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, we will yeah, leave it at there. Then you don't want to. You don't want to. I yeah, can't. I, I can't I, entice I, you I, into spilling I, the beans here, Des. No, no. <laughs> listen. Um, that those uh, those baked beans have got to stay in the can for a while. Okay. All right, good, good, good answer, good answer. Uh, I mean, uh, just on Gabriel's question though, I mean, what was pre-game Ponderosa camp? I mean, uh, I mean, we've obviously heard a lot of stories from the US guys before about kind of what that lockdown is like beforehand. I mean, is there anything interesting? I guess that you can sort of say in terms of your experience there in that pre-game lockdown before you went out there and played. Yeah, sure, I'll share some of that. So, um, basically, uh, when I landed in Samoa. It, it was like that Liam Nelson film, Abducted. Um, mm. Got off the plane, uh, went out, went through the, you know, immigration baggage, whatever. Were instructed that you were to walk out, stand and wait for somebody to come to you. They already had your picture. They knew who you were. They would come to you and say whatever. So I'm standing in the Samoan airport and I've got all these people, taxi drivers, trying to get me to get in their cab, coming up saying, oh, yes, sir, uh, you want cab, you want cab? No. At any rate, finally, somebody come to me and said, yep, follow me, you're Des. Look, they called my name. Obviously, they knew who I was. And I went and got into this blacked-out van. Um, when I stepped inside, all the windows were blacked out. I absolutely felt like I was being abducted. Mm. Another contestant come and got in the van as well. Um, it was Brooke um, from Sanapu, uh, who I've never met or seen or whatever. It was pretty dark. She sat in the van and somebody said to us, don't talk, don't say anything, give me your passports, give me your money, give me your watch, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And I was it Grant Denya? Was it Grant Denya, Des? No, it, it was not Grant Denya. <laughs> it was this very muscle-bound fella from bloody New Zealand. Lovely. <laughs> I'll tell you, his first name was Dazza, one of the nicest people I've ever met, but I won't tell okay. you his second name. Definitely not but Grant Denya. Yeah, no, he, he was like, he was the abductor. 
and we sat in that van for 45 minutes driving around with the windows blacked out, didn't know where we were going. And I was seriously thinking I might be going to be sold into male bondage or something. I don't know. <laughs> I thought they're going to get a lot more money for that Brookseller than they're going to get for me. But anyway, <laughs> we were taken to a hotel. When we got to the hotel, one of us got out and got escorted in, the other stayed in the van. Then I got out and got escorted into a room and basically told, you stay in this room, you don't open the curtains, you don't talk to anyone, there's no telephones, there's no nothing. And we stayed there for a week before the game started, isolated, like in lockdown, isolated. And the wow. only people you saw was when someone running the, running the business come and said, Hey, this is what's happening. We need this. We need that. Blah blah blah. So, what did you do if you if you can't like? I mean, can you watch TV? Can you read a book or something? I mean, well, can you do something well, like that? They rip all the clocks out of the room, so you don't know what time it is. Um, you haven't got your. They've taken your watch and your wallet and all that, so you got no money. It's not like get on the phone, ring up room service, and get a couple of cafe lattes to your room. That don't happen. <laughs> You just wait for your meals to come three times a day um, and then they come and say to you, okay, tomorrow we're going to come and get you and you'll go out and do some promotion stuff, you know, like talk to the uh, journalists or get some film shots or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then they come and see you and say, okay, well, tomorrow we're starting again get your gear, get into it, whatever. So basically, wow. like, you're a lockdown prisoner. Wow. Um, so there, there's, there's a tip for uh, anybody next year who uh, maybe doesn't, you know, get on the show. Uh, find out when the next cast goes to Samoa, show up in a blacked-out van, kidnap a couple of the contestants, and then sneak uh, into the hotel, uh, and then that way you can get yourself cast on Survivor if you miss out. I might try that next year, Des. Uh <laughs> uh, I, I hope I haven't let too much out of the bag there. <laughs> but, but unfortunately in Samoa, there was only, like, two television stations, and one of them, <laughs> one of them had... Samoan aerobics on like oh. four times a day. And I can tell you, as fit as I am, I did not want to watch Samoans doing aerobics four times a day. What was that um what was that show Aerobics Oz style that used to be a thing in like the nineties? So it was like aerobics Samoa style. <laughs> oh man, it was it was terrible, I can tell you. The only, the only good thing about the telly was when the news was on, they used to put the time in the bottom left-hand corner. Ah. So I actually ended up marking out on my veranda the time for the stars at different time of night so that when I went out into the bush, I knew what time of night it was from the stars. Oh, that's very clever. There you go. I had nothing else to do in there, mate. <laughs> True. All there right. you go. Thanks, Gabriel, for that. Uh, all right, let's... Uh, Bill, I hope that gave you some some clues as to what to do when you get on and you're in lockdown. That's great. I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, all right, let's have a look here. Uh, some other ones here. Bobby, no questions, but just tell Des he's an awesome guy. You were hilarious on Nick's podcast and a top bloke. The fans appreciate your thoughts on Survivor and you going, and you're going to be well remembered fondly for a long time. Thank you for doing this podcast or any podcast. Much appreciated. There you go. That's nice. Thanks, Bobby. Hey, hey, Bobby. Thanks, mate. 
There you go. Is that one of your mates that you? Is that one of your mates that you were saying before? Sending some questions under different names or? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. No, thanks, Bobby. Good on you. Uh, Anna asks. Everybody voted out this season is uh, in the majority is mainly over thirty. The majority in this game are still in their twenties. Is this a survivor first? I don't know, Anna. That's actually a very good point. Uh, can we expect Adet, Tara, and Luke to go next? Uh, so that the merge is potentially people filled with just their 20s. Um, what was this lady's name? Sorry. Anna. Anna? Her name is Anna. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, Anna, you you really hit this whole social-like game on the head. When, when you go into Survivor, everybody always bonds with what is their common group, and the most common group that... Um, that people see straight away is age. So you will get the old people like bonding together, the buddy young people bonding together. Another thing you'll get is like people from the same place. So you'll get the Victorians sticking together, the Queenslanders sticking together. Um, and uh, you, you also get, you know, the sex side of it. Well, you don't get any sex. I mean, like, you get the girls. <laughs> well, hang on, there's a hidden something going on here that we're not getting to no, see. Mate, you no, 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 no. You're already getting what... into orgies on that first night, so you're grouping up here into your fetishes. <laughs> hey, Ben, I'll tell you a secret. After two days, Lee said to me, Des, you're the only one I haven't spooned with. I said, you ain't spooning with me either, Lee. So, like, you know, I think, like, the boys... The boys, the gender, group yep. together, the girls. So, I mean, if you had, if you had um, four white Caucasian people and four bloody Aboriginal people, people will like go to wherever they they feel the most comfortable. Um, so, when I look at a season of Survivor coming up, and I look at the cast members, I absolutely do go, okay, where is the age demographics or whatever, and. This also plays into people who are trying to get on Survivor. If you want to play Survivor in the future, you have to realise, hey, which which group am I in? So, you know, for example, I'm in the old fat old bugger group, right? <laughs> so I have to work out. Now, if I'm in the old fat old bugger group, what's going to make me different and stand out that, that the production are going to pick and say, Hey, we want that bloke, you know. And I kept saying to him each time we went through a different stage, oh, why are you picking me? Um, I'm not really sure why. I just, if you've got something that's different than the average, like, dog, you want to amplify that as much as you can and you want to realise what demographic you're going in, you know. Am I going in as, the like, I think this, the name of the next... American episode, hoolers, hustlers, and... Uh, yeah, hipsters or who who bar watching you. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's sort of a bit like that. You know, if you're like a doctor or a fireman or whatever, then that's the group you're trying to fit into. So, yeah. I hope that answers it's, your question anyway, Anna. Yeah, I mean, it's I, it definitely something that, yeah, I agree with. And I think we kind of, I think we might have gone over this a little bit with Katie last week because we had a similar question and kind of, I mean, look, I don't 
haven't had the chance to go back through all 34 seasons of the US one to see if this has happened before, but at least on the Australian versions, I mean, obviously last season, you know, just briefly looking at in terms of the people who went out, I mean, just looking at least until Rowan, nobody under 30 was voted out until Rowan on your season. So, I mean, I think it was more of a trend last season, if anything, compared to this season, because, I mean, Amy Watt was only uh, 23, so we've had at least, and Joan was 29, so... Uh, at least we've had two people in their 20s uh, early go out, whereas last season, I mean, what, how many people before uh, Rowan? One, two, three, four, five, six people uh, over the age of 30 went on your season before this season. So um, it seems to maybe be an Australian thing too, because if we go back to Celebrity Survivor, uh, if you're looking there, um, you know, basically Kim Johnson, the first one, she was 29. Everyone else after that basically was over 30. I guess that was more of an older season in terms of the, quote, celebrities. And if we go way back to 2002, you've got to look until uh, Deborah, the fifth vote out, who was under 30. So maybe it's more of an Australian one, because, I, I mean, definitely in the US one, you get younger people voted out early. It's more strategic, I guess. So, um, yeah, interesting. It's an interesting way to sort of look that up. And just going, um, thanks, Anna, for your question. And just when you were saying about how it sometimes goes on where you're from, you know if I get cast given that they haven't cast a Tasmanian yet, and I'll no doubt be the only Tasmanian on that season because they forget that we're a state, apparently. I'm screwed then. I'll just have to side with the Victorians because they're closest to us. So, <laughs> Hey, but, Ben, look, look on the bright side, mate. Regardless of where you get kicked out, you'll be the best performing Tasmanian to, Tasmanian to ever been on the show, mate. And let's be honest, the most um, visible and best performing Ben. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see how that goes. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> I try to be. Uh, Sasha Pewterschmidt. What a name. I love that last name there, Sasha. I just want to say that again. Pewterschmidt uh, says, The editing this season has been so off. For too many people are not getting a decent edit. Tara, Luke, AK, Henry, Tessa and Lockie are the only ones getting a strong edit. Last season, I felt everybody got a consistent edit during the first 10 or so episodes. I think we already obviously touched on that. Des, do you think this is a sign that we are going to lose some big names before the merge? Um, Sasha, I think we are going to lose some big names before the merge. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think the thing that's thrown me off with the edit this year is that Amy went. Like, I, you, you couldn't you couldn't have said that the edit in any way indicated that that, that, that genius was going to go. Like, um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think you can look at the edit for last year and go, okay, they're following this formula and that's what's going to happen this year. I, I really think the production staff were just like playing it with their thumb in the air last year and I think they're doing the same this year. So... No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect any repeating patterns, but yes, I do think there's some big ones coming, Sasha. There you go. Now uh, she also adds here. We've kind of obviously touched a little bit on. Uh, she says, "Who is your winner's pick or top four? I mean, we loosely touched on that. I mean, I'll just put that out there, just kind of uh, you know shorten that question. Who is your Who is your right now? Your one person that you think can win this game? Again, I know you went over some people before, but if you had to choose one person, oh Ben. I can't choose one. I'll, I'll give me. I'll give you my top man pick and my top girl pick. Is that? Can you live with that? I, I will allow that. Yes. Oh, my! You're a generous soul. Um, <laughs> uh, Jared just in front of Pete for me, man. And for the girl, 
I think Annalise just in front of Ziggy. There you go. I like that. I, I, I'm rooting for Annalise because I've never, ever pr- correctly predicted a winner. And I have to go back to that episode with Andrew because I'm 99% sure I picked Annalise as my, my pre-game winner. So um, if she wins, hey, my prediction's getting better. Uh, now, she also has, I like this question she has at the end. Who is the most annoying person this season like Cat was, I assume, was last season for you? Uh, Michelle, without a doubt. <laughs> you didn't even hesitate. There you go. No. <laughs> Good answers. All right, let's see. What else have we got here? Uh, so, Dale uh, Dale Waters. Hello, Dale. Dale says, Greetings, Oz Network. I've enjoyed listening to your podcasts and have followed your podcast from Survivor Oz. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy hearing what little old Granny Survivor has to say about the show every week. By far the best listener who sends in questions. Trust me, Dale, Granny Survivor's still to come. She's got a question here. Of course she has. Uh, and thank you for your, your uh, kindness there. It's good to see that one of our listeners uh, from our two listeners have merged over to our new form here. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Craig. How much longer until we hear from him again on the podcast? Uh, he is coming. We've got him lined up. Uh, we don't know when. Stay tuned for that. Uh, ben, you are really dedicated to your Survivor community. Community. Pat yourself on the back. Keep up the good work. Uh, you can't see this. I'll pat myself on the back. There you go. Thank you, Dale. There is a question here for you, though, Des. This isn't all about floating my ego, although I appreciate it. Just a quickie for Des. What was the most funniest fan interaction you have had once your season aired or after it aired? Um, I did have this bloke come up to me in the BWS. Uh, um probably about a week up. So, so I'll just back up a bit. When I got booted out of the show, um, I, I sort of like I was really embarrassed that I got booted out first. So I didn't leave the house for oh, about five or six weeks. Wow. Um, because I, di- I didn't want anybody, when they found out I was on the show, to realise that I was like first out, like spoiling. Um but I went down the local BWS and the first ad had just hit the hit the TV and I had this young kid come up to me and say, oh, are you Des? And and I thought he might have known me because I've given job, like help young kids doing stuff, whatever. And I said, oh, yeah, mate, I'm Des. He said, oh, can I get a selfie with you? <laughs> and, and I said, why? <laughs> he said... You're Des from Survivor. And that was the the first interaction I'd had that, you know, hey, maybe people might know me that I thought know me because I'm Des, not because of the telly. Yeah. Um, and he got a Survivor in his chop. He said, oh, I'm going to send that to me mum. So, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the most interesting. That's nice. Uh, yeah. How Is nice. That, Sasha? Yeah. Uh, that, that's yeah, uh, thanks. That's that's great. Thank you for that question there, Dale. And that's a nice little story. Oh, so. Dale. Sorry, Dale, mate. Yeah. Uh, and again, Dale, appreciate those kind words. Thank you very much. Uh, means a lot. Um, Matt, this is from Matt. Matt says, with CBS buying 10, does this mean both Australia and America can possibly watch Survivor legally through some online access? Uh, I'll just actually interrupt myself there and say, yes, I believe that is a very strong possibility because I did read as part of that deal, we will be getting access to their online uh, streaming service. I don't know if that will mean 
Survivor is a part of that, because obviously Survivor here is shown on Channel 9, but I'm assuming that there might be some part of this deal once they sort off the all the paperwork that it wouldn't surprise me if Survivor switches to Channel 10, so I'm sure that might be part of that deal there, Matt. Um, Matt adds, I will scream if we are one step closer to the Australia versus USA season. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Um, Des, a USA versus Australia season now that CBS are our media overlords on Channel 10. Nah, never right. happen. Won't happen? Uh, ne- never happen. Like, Survivor's live. I don't know. If, if there's some Australian fans out there that are just, like, not getting enough Survivor, I recommend to you, watch Survivor South Africa. It's been gone for a few years, and it's a bloody good show. Um, they uh, they probably got a little bit more money than that New Zealand one. I, I really like the New Zealand one that I was able to get my hands on because I have watched that, but... Watch Survivor South Africa because that's bloody good. But I can never see that there's too much cross-licensing bloody issues and insurance issues and blah, blah, blah for them ever to take this show multicultural. Um, And if they did, there's no chance it'll be Australia and New Zealand. It'll be the WW Survivor, like one player from every country. I've heard that in Israel they play for like um, 162 days or something. So, yeah, no, I, I could never see it being cross country. Yeah, I remember when we, I can't remember if it was Mark Burnett or Charlie Parsons, in one of their interviews on the show, that question obviously was brought up. Like, will we ever see like an international version? And they said, yeah, there's just, there's insurance issues. It's just, it's nigh on impossible that it can be done. Um, and look, I, I think that, I mean, on paper, it's a fantastic idea. Uh, but I mean, you know, I, I doubt, and, and I think there's more issues involved with that too. In the fact that, I mean, if you do Australia versus New Zealand, you incorporate both our versions. I mean, who hosts? I mean, obviously, Probst, well, you'd want to host it because he's the OG. But like, I mean, you got to involve Jono in there somehow. And like, how is that produced? And like, I mean, do do American audiences? And I'm not, I'm taking out the Survivor superfans here because obviously we know a lot of American Survivor superfans watch our version as they do the New Zealand version. I'm sure they watch the South, like all the versions. But does the average American viewer, the casual viewer, give two shits that the American people are going to go up against the Australian. I don't think it's there enough. If it was Australia versus New Zealand, we saw that work on The Amazing Race. That was kind of a good idea because we've got that nice little rivalry with New Zealand. But I don't think the average American gives two shits if the average American goes up against an Australian. So that's just my take on how the casual American audience wouldn't really care about it. Hey, Ben. Yes. Um... I just want to chuck me bone in here, mate. Of course you can. You got very yeah. stern there with me for a second. I was like, oh. So when you were at high school, mate. Yes. Uh, where did you go to high school? Uh, down here in Hobart. I went to a high school called yeah. Newtown High School. Yes. There you go. So when you're at high school in Hobart and uh, you got some new international kid turn up in your <laughs> high school, um, if it was a girl, all the boys were like, hunting around it like a beast <laughs> or a honey pot, yeah. Well, I, I went to an all-boys high school, Des, so um, that kind of didn't happen. <laughs> okay. If it was an attractive gay boy, uh, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, um, what I'm trying to say here is if you have people from a different culture come in and, like, interact with you, it's, it's like, interesting. Everybody wants to listen. I reckon that if the Americans... If the American show let Aussies play in the American show under American insurance and American laws, 
So Phoebe would be a, like a, a lock for me. If they let Phoebe go into um, a hero's kind of American show, I reckon the Yanks would love her. They'd love her accent. They'd love a different take on whatever. Um, so whilst I agree that an Australians versus the Americans thing is never going to happen or Australia versus New Zealand, allowing players from ex-players from other countries to go into um, that country's thing, I think will be enormously entertaining. Well, there you go. But, uh, yeah. that's, that's just the ramblings of a silly old black man. Mm. It's, it's, it's fine. This is why, as I was saying to you before about, uh, you know, having having those opinions, that's why we obviously get here. Otherwise, again, no one's going to listen to me talk about my opinions. That's why nobody likes uh, this show anyway, because I hate my opinions. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's that's why they listen to Nick's show. You know, they they know Nick. Nick was on the Nick was on TV. They know Rob. You know, so it's like, oh, we like these because we've seen them on TV. Who's this random Tasmanian guy shoving his opinions down our throats? We don't give a shit about him. Shut up and let Des talk. Uh, all right, what have we got here? Layla, did Layla? You not already sent in another question? Have you sent in two here? Uh, if you and Evan blasted through that puzzle and Cat wasn't assigned to the puzzle for with you, who would be first out of your tribe if you guys had one? the first challenge, assuming you guys lost the third immunity challenge and had eight days together? There's an interesting question. I'm not sure I understand about the third immunity, but, yeah, basically on that first challenge, what was supposed to happen was Evan and I were supposed to be doing that puzzle. Um, That's what we left camp, agreed to. And uh, for some reason, Kat looked at the A-frames and whatever and said, when they said, who's doing the puzzle, she said, me and Des, which sort of gobsmacked me because we'd, we'd never got on. Um, so, yeah, if, if I'd done that puzzle with Evan, which was what was supposed to happen, um, Kat would have been first out, I'm, I'm sure of it. Easy. There um, you go. The thing about the third tribal, yeah. I, I, think, I think what they mean is that... Um you Who would have been next? Yeah, had you had you not been first tribe done and had your first tribal actually been the third tribal, if that makes sense. So, obviously, you lost... Like, Evan went home on that third tribal. So, I'm guessing their, their question is, imagine you didn't lose the first challenge, so you didn't have to go to tribal first, and the very first time you went to tribal council was the one where Evan went home. So you would have still been there the night that Evan was technically voted. You would have had more time together, I guess, than you had. So Yeah, well, in my dreams, uh, Layla, <laughs> what really would have happened was Cat would have gone first. Evan would not have gone second. Um, in my dreams, what would happen was uh, Des, Christie and Evan would have been the tight three, would have pulled in Phoebe and Rowan, would have dispatched Elle straight away, too smart a player, make Lee vulnerable, make him just be the mule, the meat shell for the the team, probably dispatched dispatched Rowan or Phoebe after that and um, tried to go forward with, you know, two strong blokes, Lee and Rowan. Um, Me as, uh, you know like cute older guy. <laughs> um, Christy is like someone who would just hang on. Um, and uh, and Rowan, uh, sorry, uh, Evan uh, being part of the tight three. 
Yeah. There you go. But All right. That's where I would have gone with the five, but but who knows? Who knows? It was, as we used to say a lot in Survivor Oz days, uh, the what-if scenarios, people used to hate me bringing them up, but I used to always enjoy them. Uh, now, Layla just adds at the end here, uh, cheers to putting on Des this week, Ben. Any chance of Flick, Craig, or an L. Lee combo coming onto your podcast? Uh, yeah, we'll mention Craig. We've got him lined up. Flick, uh, I'm very keen to get Flick on. I'm a big Flick fan, so yes, we're, we've spoken to Flick, and hopefully uh, she's been travelling. She's obviously been in the US uh, for uh, Hearts of Reality, so obviously we'll try and get her on. And Ellen Lee, uh, again, if we can drag them away from those Holden commercials, and I'm sure we might be able to try and get them on the show. Uh, so we'd, we'd love to have anybody from the season on the show, obviously. You know us. If you know us from the Survivor Oz days, we'll get anyone on the show because uh, we all want to hear stories and everything. But thank you for that question. Now, who have we got here? Rosie Clarkson from the US. We've got a, a US listener sending in a, a question here. Uh, Des, what a true legend to have on this week. Especially as I'm not Australian, but American. I learned so much about Australia from you, Des, having never seen a single thing Australian before. That's kind of uh, scary in some way there, Rosie. Uh, thank you, Des, for making my first Australian exposure enjoyable. I continue to watch your version of Survivor now. If you played on this season, Des, who would you make an alliance with and who would you get the I don't like you treatment? Much love, Rosie. Well, we obviously know uh, Michelle would probably get that latter part of that question, but I guess the, the main part of her question there, Des, is who would you want to make an alliance with on this season? Uh, yeah, hi, Rosie. Uh, are you the yellow Rosie from Texas, or...? or you... I, I don't know what part of the US she might be, uh, I, I, if she is. Uh, I guess you know her, or...? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm already start, starting to like you, Rosie. If I ever get divorced over here, I might have to come over to the US and look you up. Because <laughs> you sound like you and I might get on like a house on fire. At <laughs> any rate, your question, Rosie. Um, I, I'll tell you the person that I would really like to have hooked up with. Uh, well, sorry. Well, I don't mean hooked up with. I mean, yeah, you're you cheating know, on Rosie but, already. You just basically asked no, her to marry no, you after you get divorced. No. Come on. Um, <laughs> I, 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 would, I would really like to work with AK because I think I'm controlling. Uh, AK is like, you know, I'm going to strategize. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, whatever. I think sitting one behind AK with your arm up his back, that would be like the perfect place to sit in in this game. Um, the next person, um, surprisingly enough, I I wouldn't want to sit with Henry. I think Henry's just Henry's just all over the place. Like he's dangerous. He's he's like nitroglycerin. Eh? You you wouldn't want to be anywhere near Henry when when Henry's doing Henry. Um, I think Lockie's very predictable. Um, and predictable obviously also means that he's solid, you know. He's probably, I think Lockie's words, he's bond. Um, so I'd sit with him. Um, and Jared and Pete is probably the, the other two um, that I might, that I might like. That that'd be the group I'd try and get with. Mm-hmm. I sort of have this. Um, I don't know whether it's from my generation or whatever, but um, I'm, I'm loath to lock in with ladies. Um, I think ladies have a different appreciation of kill and be killed than men have. 
I think in the Australian environment, um, ladies are the ones that, you know, nurture and protect the family from all evil. And the Australian bloke psyche is more about, hey, let's like just kick back, have a good time, have a few beers, watch the footy or whatever. I think Australian men are less killer instinct than, than ladies. So, yeah, me, I, I would probably try and hook up with, well, hook up again, whatever. Um, probably try and align with, like AK, Jared, Lockie sort of people. There you go. That's um, an interesting alliance. Uh, I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah. Um, probably the, the only lady that I I think I might have uh, been able to like work with is Zig. Mm-hmm. Because she's like, she got balls of steel, that girl, like. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm a I'm big Ziggy fan for a variety of reasons. That woman is beautiful as well. And she's an Olympian, so ticks a few boxes off there for me, Des. But she's got a boyfriend, I know. And she, yeah, they're they're a glamour couple. These water polo players, as they would be. Uh, hello, Rosie. Thank you for that question. And uh, obviously, to all our American listeners, uh, we know obviously they're listening still, and that obviously they're watching Australian Survivor. It's always good to get uh, some American input uh, in these Australian episodes. Uh, now we've got a, we've got three more here, but these are sort of longish ones. We've got one here that. Uh, has a bunch of questions. I'm going to say that to second last because we're always going to save our best to last, and that's obviously from our dear friend Granny Survivor. But uh, Wesley, uh, Wesley asks, with a swap coming now, isn't it time for a big character like Luke, Henry, or Lockie to go? Annalise getting voted out by the Idol, cancelled Super Idol, and Adet going home are so obvious. The edit has really set up perfectly to lose a big player pre-merge. Well, we kind of already had that question earlier on, didn't we? Uh, but... Wesley adds here, Des, what is the smartest way to handle telling everyone about the super idol? Now, I, I feel we sort of had that question before, but let, let's put yourself in this uh, this situation here, Des. You're Ziggy. You've gotten this super idol. You've got to come back to camp. I mean, I know you kind of explained what you think might happen, but how would, how would Des handle this situation? Yeah, uh, Wes, I think I'd um, I'd do like I said before. I'd I'd come back and tell everyone that nah, didn't find it, um, and pull in your alliance and say, "Hey, I did find it," um, so that they feel that you know they're getting more information. Um, I'd probably only tell them half the story, um, unless I had a like a number two in my group of five. I mean, everybody needs to have, like, one mate that you basically spill the beans with on everything. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like life, you know. You've you got your partner and you tell them everything and then and then your friends and buddies, well, you tell them a bit more and everybody else, yeah. you know, you tell them lies. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, so I think, Wes, uh, that would be, that, be the way I would go if that happened to me, but... You really got to look at at each individual opportunity on its own merits. Um, but yeah, my initial reaction is is that's what I would do. There you go. Thank you very much for that uh, question. There was in our final one. As I said, uh, our first one here uh, now. Riley, Des's number one fan, aka Riley. Now again, I know we had a Riley sending question before. I don't know if this is the same Riley. Uh, let's just call them Des's number one fan. They have basically um, sent in 
10 questions, but I'm going to get through these. I'm going to do these like quick fire questions. We're going to do a quick fire question round here. But Des, uh, Riley, first of all, says, when I heard that Des was going to be on, I literally screamed, Ben, you bloody ripper. This is what we have been waiting for. So for that, my first message is sent into the Oz Networks. Well, I'm assuming this is a different Riley then because this is apparently their very first message into us. So, Riley, thank you very much. We appreciate it. So uh, we've got 10 questions here from Riley. We're going to do this quick-fire question round that um, we're going to see how quickly we can answer these. Okay, first question here. Des, if you were on a tribe of first boots with Joan, Wanda, Francesca, Darnell... Deb, Chicken, So Kim, and Zane. Who do you want? That is an epic tribe. Who do you want to go on, gone home first, and who do you make an alliance with? <laughs> uh, which Deb is it? Uh, I'm going to guess Deb Eaton because uh, she would be the quintessential first boot out of that list. I would say from Australian Outback. Um, well, just about every Deb I've seen on the show has bloody annoyed the crap out of me. So <laughs> just gone. <laughs> Next question. So Deb's got. Uh, who would you make an alliance with out of those? Uh, I think Zane. Yep. Zane and Des working together. There's a survivor dream. Uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, all right. Number two. Who has who? Actually, let me rephrase that. The worst move ever made on Survivor ever. Oh, well, the most recent one is Henry. <laughs> Yeah. I, I tweeted out that's the worst move in the history of Survivor, and I, I'm, we'll see if I'm right or wrong, usually wrong. Uh, the best move ever made on Survivor? Um, Christy going, Oh, Lee! Oh, oh Lee! Just let me have it! <laughs> Perfect Christy impersonation. I like that one. Uh, I've kind of got an inkling who you might answer for this one. Best player to have never won Survivor? Uh, Hans. Hands? Oh, I thought you might have gone with Sari there. You went with Hands, okay. Uh, best male and female winners? Um, well, best female winners got to be Parvati. Mm-hmm. Um, best male winner? Jeez, that's, that's hard. Um, I'm not a big fan of Tony, uh, although I know he would rank fairly highly with a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go old school and say Hatch. Good answer. Uh, these are very similar, uh, Riley, to a lot of the questions we used to ask on uh, Survivor Oz. Uh, who is the most underrated player? Uh, the most underrated player in this season? Uh, they just say most underrated, but I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming based on their questions, I would say in the history of Survivor, but, uh, I mean, you can go uh, on either if you want. I think actually, I think we actually, I will just interrupt myself and say, um, we do actually, our final question from Granny Survivor, to loosely spoil it, there is a part in there where she asks, who do you think the most underrated player is on this season? So maybe answer this one is in the most underrated player of all time, I guess. Um... The most underrated player of all time. Besides yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I would definitely not say I was ever underrated. I've been a lot of things, but not underrated. <laughs> I, I normally score above average, mate, in everything contest <laughs> I do, uh, except for that kind of stuff. But, yeah. Um, 
the most underrated player. I would have to say that the woman that uh, Natalie White that hand speak. Yep. I think she was very underrated for her game because everyone just said Kate Tiles. Yep. And she obviously beat Hans, so there you go. Yeah, good answer. Uh, number seven, this is a bit of a more in-depth question, and, I mean, uh, it's kind of almost the opposite of what we asked before about a pre-game. She says, uh, Riley, uh, I'm going to say she, he, they. Sorry, Riley, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, what happens when you are voted out on Australian Survivor? What is the process? Does Jonathan visit the players voted out? Uh, and what was the experience like of being the first out? So, I mean, a, a loaded question there, I guess, essentially, what happens after you're voted out? Okay, so basically what happens when you're voted out is you go to a jury villa, but it's not a jury villa with cameras and all that crap. You you basically go to a jury villa kind of environment um, where you're not allowed to talk to anyone. Um, production come and see you, you know, the day after, um, ask you some exit kind of stuff. You spend a couple of days, still not allowed to talk to anyone, haven't got your passport, haven't got your watch, nothing. And then uh, they take you to the airport, give you your passport and your watch and your money back. You get on the plane and piss off. So, so, so you, it's, it's obviously the US one, they, they, they keep you there for the length of the film. So they don't keep you there. You just basically get sent home straight away. Yeah. So wow. um, I think they only started that from about the... Uh, season five of the US one where they would keep the first um, pre-jury contestants together and basically take them on a, a you know a bit of a holiday oh, yeah, to, yeah. to debrief and detox and do whatever before uh, heading back. And I think that was more to do with making sure that the spies watching them weren't going to spoil the outcome of the show by seeing them come home early and crap. Because that's what I would assume makes a logical sense, though, with it. Because, I mean, if you come home early, then at least your family and friends know that, oh, damn, you come home early. <laughs> yeah, well, like I alluded to earlier, Ben, I come home, um, you know, basically I was out of the game People think it was out in day two, but it was actually day three. There's, you know, tricks of the camera, whatever. Um, and then spent three days waiting for a flight in lockdown in a hotel. Got back to Australia sort of eight days after the show started. Unfortunately, I'd sent my wife over to have a look at the Chelsea Flower Garden show in England, <laughs> which was all planned before I got on the show. Um uh, so she was out of the country, I was out of the So I landed back, she was still out of the country, and then she come back a couple of days after I landed home and, you know, fairly punched me in the bloody nose for being booted out of Survivor. <laughs> I think it was, what the F are you doing home? Whack. Because <laughs> um, she told me before I go, I went, you can go on this thing, but you better bring home the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped at the local butcher and got half a pig, but it didn't help. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so I, uh, I sort of hid in the house for oh, n- nearly six weeks, mate. Drove me wow. crazy. Does, um, does Jonathan visit you? I mean, uh, Riley asked there, like, does Jonathan come after you voted out and say, like, oh, good game or bad luck? No, or? no, no. You're, you're just a number, mate. You're, no one comes and sees you. 
No. Mm. Poor, poor, poor Yarwell, but he's nice. Uh, but he's, a, he's an interesting it, question, it's actually. Okay. You, you, you get to go to Samara and look at the sky True. and, you know, mark the little things off on the balcony so you know what time it was. Oh, yeah, yeah it was all learned and experience, eh? What, watch Samoan aerobics? Uh, you've got that off the bucket list. <laughs> oh, mate. I tell you what, and after the aerobics, they would have the Lord, you know, praying to the Lord classes. Oh, uh, you need to learn well, that now, do you? I thought that was just standard. If you're a Christian, um, which, which which actually I am, but I'm not into that praying stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was different, mate. It was uh, it, it was a good experience. Oh, I'd recommend it to anyone. There you go. Uh, this this interesting one here, actually. Did you apply for Australian Survivor in 2002? Uh, no, I did not. And the reason I didn't was because I had no bloody clue it was on until until it like they started advertising on the TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, you just social media wasn't anywhere near as big a reach. So you know, most of the people who would have wanted to go on Survivor wouldn't have even had a bloody clue that they were recruiting for the show. Mm, interesting. Uh, have you given Evan his socks back yet? <laughs> Uh, no, I still owe him a pair of socks, Evo. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know, but when, when I turfed them socks off the palm tree into the bushes, I thought they were leaves. I was pissed off at him because I went up to him to try and, like, talk, you know, survivor tactics or whatever, and he said, oh, man, I'm not doing any of that shit. And I thought, yeah, you yeah, prick. <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw his socks hanging on the tree, I thought I'm just going to grab them and turf them. Well, they were Evans, <laughs> and and they, yeah, I found out later they were Evans. But the 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 thing I did wrong was I told the second night me and Christy went out for about three hours hunting for idols, and I showed her all the places that I thought would be good for idols that might be hidden, um, and only on the basis that if one of us went out, the other one needed to find an idol. Hey, these are really obvious spots. A bit like Hans did on his thing when, oh, listen, there's got to be an idol under this bridge. There was this, like, big log that had these big holes in it, and I said to Chrissy, hey, this would be a really good spot for an idol or whatever. Um, and then I said to her, oh, I bloody turf these socks out um, that I found. I think they're Lee's because he's, like, he's not done want to play the game. I want to get give him the boot. Um and then, of course, after I got booted, she started thinking that I'd stolen her bag and done this and whatever. It was just whatever. Anyway. Interesting, interesting. Uh, the final question here, uh, how is Ben doing with your interview so far? Um, what, like on a scale of 1 to 10, Ben? We'll go with that, sure. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just checking out this Skype thing that says I've been talking to Ben for three hours, 11 minutes and 33 seconds. So, <laughs> yeah, no, he's a fairly interesting character. He hasn't hung up on me yet, Riley, so that's probably a good thing. <laughs> no, the best thing about it, Riley, is this little Skype screen ain't that big, so I can only see half his melon on the screen at the moment. So that's all you need to see. That's, that's why people just need to hear my voice. Another six hours, a bit like the final, the final <laughs> challenge in Survivor 1, hang on to this pole. 
our our longest ever our longest ever interview our longest ever interview Des is four hours. So we we we've we've kept these interviews long before. So I don't know if we're going to stretch it quite that far. Uh, so our final one here though, uh, Granny Survivor, our dear friend, and again as I elaborate every single week. I don't know who this is. We get a question from her every single episode, pretty much, and uh, she basically types like a granny. So, good for Granny Survivor. I'm going to read this again, word for word, because this is literally what Granny Survivor says. Hello, dears. Oh, what a guest we have this week. Much respect for Des on the show. You were a true joy to watch. Like Evan, dear, I thought from the promos you were going to be the villain of the season. I wish you and Evan went far. Ben, I'm thrilled you have him on this week. Truly from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. Now you need to put Craig on soon. That will really make us fans smile. Love that man so much, dear. I'm just going to interrupt Granny Survivor there. I love Craig too. I absolutely love that man. This is a Des interview. Stop wishing that Craig was on here more than Des. Come on. We've got Des on the show, people. Um, the sobs, uh, Granny, Granny Survivor continues. The sob family stories have come early, dears. Is this a first for Survivor? It isn't merge yet, dears, and already love from home. My question this week is who do you see d- going far in the game and who is playing the most underrated game so far, Des? We've already answered the who's going far, and I obviously saved this one from the last question. Uh, so I guess to elaborate on Granny Survivor's very long-winded question, who is playing the most underrated game so far? Um, I think we've got a lot more to see from Pete. Okay. To be honest. Um, I'd agree with that. Probably, probably followed by Jared. Jared, yep. So they're solid choices. They're the two that I think are going to have a much bigger influence um, going forward. But but Granny, you need to take your focus off Craig and concentrate on a real man. (laughs) This is Granddad Des here. Uh, So next week, forget about like the rainbow coloured questions. And start concentrating on the game, Granny. Yes, yes. I mean, again, I'm sure. I I love Craig to bits, but again, the the amount of questions we're getting about getting Craig on the show. I mean, I'm Des. I'm like, come on now. What about me? Um, uh, She adds there uh, the the one that I said about the sob family stories have come. I think this might be the earliest we've ever had like some sort of word from home. Wouldn't be. I can't remember another season where they get word from home this early. Yeah, they're obviously a pack of Nancy boys out there <laughs> that need a message from home after 25 days. We've got, we've got Luke the driller. I mean, this bloke is working on the mines, mate. He's four weeks on, four weeks off. He, he's like used to it. His missus is used to it. She's probably happy to get rid of him for 28 days and not have to look at, put up with his bloody palaver. Um, but... You know, I understand you're in Samoa, it's pissing down rain. Um, and, yeah, of course, you've got to live with these other 23 twerps and it, like, you know, makes you miss your family. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, look, the whole fax me a tissue kind of story from, from Survivor doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. Fax mm. them to Granny. She might need them until Craig gets on. 
Uh, Granny adds here, and interesting you bring up Luke, because uh, Granny says, uh, th- I think this is directed to me, I think, dear, you need to stop being so hard on Luke. I must admit he's probably nicer than you might think, Ben, in real life. Maybe if his edit quiets down, you might appreciate him, but I do love his gameplay, and I am going to be honest, dears, Luke really needs to tone down being overconfident. Never goes well for players. Granny, I think I did kind of calm down on my Luke hate in this episode. This is the nicest I've been to Luke all season, so clearly I'm starting to, you know, level play field there uh and but i think i explained to evan when i think evan questioned me he's like why do you think luke's a dickhead and i'm like well probably at the end of the day luke is the type of guy that he and i in real life wouldn't get along but i'm sure he's a super nice guy and i'm still looking forward to that exit interview with him uh hopefully soon uh the last bit here kind of we've already touched on this a little bit but uh granny survivor says one more question before i have my cup of tea dear what does cbs buying 10 mean for survivor will we be able to watch the american survivor on cbs all access and will our american friends get our version Two. I guess just on the overall scheme of this move, I mean, it is obviously a big deal that CBS has bought 10. I, my opinion on this, and we've obviously gone over sort of what we think in terms of cross uh, episodes, but I, I really think that this coming season on, on Channel 9 probably will be the last time we will see uh, the US Survivor on Channel 9. I mean, it makes sense for them now to put this on Channel 10, given that they're also producing a local version. Um, I mean, it might. we're still a month away from the US version. I don't know if they can swap it over this late in the game. Um, I can say in a slight... This isn't a spoiler or anything, but this is my interactions with Channel 9. They're still talking it as though they're showing it. So that is based on my interactions with Channel 9 at the moment. I would assume that nothing is changing for this upcoming season that's about to start. But my opinion would be that we will see US Survivor on Channel 10 within the next 12 months. Does that mean the Americans will get to see our version? Maybe on the CBS Access website? Again, kind of going what I was saying about whether or not Americans would care too much for Australians. I don't know if they would put Australian Survivor in prime time, maybe on a digital channel, maybe a daytime show, or maybe online. But uh, that's my two cents worth. Des, what would you say about anything about this CBS Channel 10 deal? Anything to add on the matter? Um, I think CBS buying Channel 10 is awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm... Uh, I'd love to run in the bedroom and get me tutu and go, it's showtime. <laughs> Can you do it? Can you please do it? <laughs> no. <laughs> You've had enough titillation today. <laughs> you need to just calm down, man. I do. Wait till Craig. Yeah. Wait till Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, 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 I'm really excited that CBS has come in. I, when I heard that, um, you know, Packer and the guy that owns Wynn were, like, making the bid or whatever, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, um, this is just going to spiral into despair. But for CBS to come in, um, who all, who obviously already uh, in bed with, you know, the whole Survivor American concept, I think is awesome from a, a Survivor viewer's perspective. And, yeah, I agree. It'll take a while for the contractual obligation to run out with nine, but um, won't it be great to be able to like tune on to Channel Eleven and watch Survivor from America, Australia? Hopefully, they can like stream some of the other ones. Um, like I said before, shout out Survivor South Africa, awesome buddy shows. I've watched that. Really good, really good strategy. So yeah, no CBS. Showtime, I'm excited, mate. 
Yeah, I think it's 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 going to be good, and and I think a, a, another whisper, like a few people were talking about, is um, you know, does this mean what does this mean maybe for some other revivals or some other reality shows? I mean, you know, we obviously know they brought back Big Brother a few years ago on Nine, and it kind of, I mean, I think it did better than people give it credit for. I think it was quite solid, but Channel Ten are always whispers that they might want it back. I think Big Brother is a perfectly suited show for like a Channel Eleven. It would fit in so well with that demographic. Um, and then obviously The Amazing Race is a CBS show too. So, I mean, maybe they can revive that. Again, there's different rights involved in Australia with these shows. It's not a simple case of just because the US produce Big Brother on CBS. It doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, I think Fremantle Media owned the Big Brother rights or I don't know if Endemol owned Big Brother in Australia. It might be Fremantle. Anyway, it's one of them. But it would be interesting to see what this means. And I'm sure it's only fresh in our, in our ears. We just heard about it this week. There will be a process involved in what this means. Maybe Channel 10 might get rebranded as CBS Australia. Who knows? But um, we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I, I agree with everything you just said there, Des. I, I don't have a tutu, though, sadly. I left that with my ex. She took my tutus. So <laughs> you've got a weird look on your face right now. <laughs> You're like, you took that joke too far, Ben. <laughs> I'm just trying to process that. You, that's the first time you've ever said you had an ex. Is that, <laughs> is, that, is that an ex-girl or an ex-boy, mate? I'm like... Uh, look, some people would question either way, to be honest. Uh. <laughs> hey, Ben, whatever rocks your boat, mate. But if you need if you need me to send you me tutu, I'll do that. It, it is XXL, but... Judging on um, some of my comments on recent podcasts here on the Oz Network, I think people might be swaying more to the the, the man side of things. But uh, she was a woman in every sense of the word, at least that I hope so. And if she's not, well, good for her. She's made a choice. Uh, Des, (laughs) that's a weird way to end this episode. I am so thrilled that we've been able to do this. Uh, As I said to you at the beginning of this interview, you were definitely one of the main ones that I wanted to get here on the show to talk about it. Uh, You've lived up to expectations. You've brought in a record number of questions you're putting on the pirate hat which we've put a screenshot out on our social media because des literally is wearing a pirate hat right now mate this is a lot of fun we're going to do this, this again this is me jared support mate yeah your jared support needs a bit more of the feathers on it to be ben of course um. and me questions about pearl island <laughs> appreciate it though Desmond. we'll do this again we'll get you on uh, perhaps this season if not we'll get you on the American one and we'll get you on some capacity we'll, we've got to do this again but we appreciate your time on the show today hey Ben yes can, can you send me Granny's email address <laughs> so, so you're on to Granny now you've forgotten about uh, Samantha uh, mate, I'm a granddad I'm a granddad I've got, I've got to work with what I've got hey <laughs> you, you could be, you could be a bit of the uh, you know the old uh, gold uh, what do you call it like the the not uh, cougar what's the male version of a cougar gold uh, digger <laughs> yeah gold yeah that too yeah. <laughs> anyway no hey you have a good one Ben and. And I've enjoyed talking to you. And there we go, Des Quilty. What an epic episode. Uh, our, our longest, I think, by far so far in terms of the interview department um, on the Oz Network. Obviously, we've had uh, longer episodes in general, uh, generally ones talking about Spider-Man or things like that. But um, I think on the interview side of things, this has been our longest one and uh, so much fun. Lived up to all the uh, hype that no doubt, uh, I think, at least our listener questions um gave des there and uh we got through all of them 
Uh, so I was quite impressed with that. But thank you to everybody who sent in those listener questions. They were fantastic. And um, obviously, as I said, uh, every week we have um, a different guest on. Uh, we've got plenty planned up. Craig, yes, Craig. Everybody wants Craig. We will have Craig uh, at some point in the future. We've been alternating... Um, sort of week on, week off in terms of our uh, the ones that we've found from Season 1, as in 2002 Season 1, and obviously a few from last season. So we're looking to continue that uh, next week, we think. We might have a very special guest lined up for you uh, next week to kind of uh, to break this sort of cycle that we've got, but we, we, we can't really go into too much details about that because nothing's confirmed at the moment. We, we hope it can be, uh, so stay tuned to that. But if not, uh, we will still obviously continue with our guests. Uh, we've got uh, from Season 1... Australia's 2002, uh, Deborah Pert, who would be our first Kadena member. And, of course, uh, if anybody remembers 2002 version, Kadena were the tribe that were just obliterated. They lost basically every single immunity pre-merge uh, with the exception of one. And uh, Deborah, a strong player. She uh, she was doing very well. She had an injury, uh, her ankle, so therefore it kind of affected her affected her in the game and therefore she was voted out. But um, we've got a few more of these lined up, so stay tuned for that. And uh, obviously, again, we've got a few more of the uh, Season 3s, last season's Channel 10 players lined up. Uh, we have Craig in the pipeline. Yes, we do have Craig in the pipeline. As I said, we've uh, spoken to Flick. Uh, I'll probably get Andrew on at some point again. Obviously, he did our preview episode, but we'd like to get Andrew on again. And Phoebe, obviously, of course, too. Uh, so we might sort of do some dual ones with them in the coming weeks. So just stay tuned for that. Uh, we'd like to get some of the American guys on. Uh, obviously, we know that some of the American uh, contestants are watching this season because they've appeared on some of the other podcasts in terms of doing reviews. But we're also uh, wanting to do a bit more of a focus on the Australian guys just because, uh, obviously, we get the American uh, contestants on for the American season for the most part and um, we kind of change it up a little bit and obviously of course we've uh Given we weren't really on air last year when this season was on, we didn't really uh, get a chance to speak to many of these Australian Survivor contestants. So uh, that's generally why I think we're doing a lot of focus with the Australian guys as of right now. So if you've got anyone particularly you would ask us to track down, again, by all means, send us a message. We'd always uh, like to hear who the listeners want to hear from. And uh, we're also looking at maybe doing a few sort of bonus episodes here and there. We're generally restricting our uh, recap episodes to once a week alongside with our exit interviews. But given um, the content out there, we're, we're looking at maybe a few bonus interviews. I know uh, people are interested in hearing from our Oslets again, Linda and and Julian, we're interested to get back on. Noah is coming back into the country uh, literally today at the time of recording this. Uh, I believe he is back in Tasmania. So uh, lock up your daughters, Tasmania. Noah's back. But obviously we're going to get Noah involved at some point throughout this season because I miss his voice. I do, let's be honest. Um, and also uh, one that I'm kind of excited about sort of an idea that's kind of come to light this week is uh, potentially of a a cross-podcast podcast because given this season, there is literally about 317 Australian Survivor podcasts going out there. About 312 of them have the name Oz in it, I believe. Uh, but we, we thought it would be a good idea to maybe get a few of these podcasts to join together and have sort of a cross-table discussion and sort of uh, not just make it an Oz Network exclusive. It would be a shared episode. So therefore, you know, we'd edit it one way for us. Then uh, some of the other podcasts would put it out there on their channels. And given that a lot of 
you listening to this right now are probably listening to a lot of all these other podcasts at the same time. We just thought it would be an interesting sort of episode to get us all together, interact, and kind of form a super podcast, I guess. Kind of like a super idol, but a super podcast. And you don't have to sit through an entire episode to reveal this twist and have us found in a tree somewhere. So uh, stay tuned to that. We've spoken to a couple of the other podcasts, and uh, we're going to see what we can do with that. Because obviously, a bunch of fans out there producing these amazing uh, podcasts out there. And, and given, you know, I've been doing this now, uh, at least covering Survivor podcasts now for close to six years in Australia, you know, still stand by the fact that we are the OG, we are the original, we've been around the longest. Um, and when I started doing the show, we, we proudly labelled ourselves as Australia's only Survivor podcast. And I know even now... Uh, we're not a solely Survivor podcast. We obviously cover other TV and media, but uh, it's it's so good to be able to see uh, so many people out there passionate about this show and for the most part putting out good shows, um, you know, and, and just being fans and being fans that are putting out great content, you know. Uh, it's that, That's what this show's about. It's about fans driving this, as I was saying before, obviously to Dares. A lot of the reason why this show is still going is because of the fans. And there's always that level, of course, where some of these, uh, you know, hosts and people out there can get a little bit inflated in their egos and feel that they are then bigger than the show. Uh, there's definitely been some things out in the last week or so where uh, particularly one show in particular has been labelling claims that they were the one that essentially got them to do the live finale or that they're essentially the voice of the community and all this sort of stuff, which uh, it's, it's, it's quite laughable, particularly given our uh, previous interactions with this said show and the hosts involved. It's, um, it's almost embarrassing to see just uh, the lengths that they go to to claim that they are almost above the show itself when this is a show that is out there because of us fans out there and we're nothing more than fans. We have no input in the say of this show in terms of the overall, uh, you know, production values of it. Sure, Channel 10 would listen and see what is being put out there by the fans. At the end of the day, they're a multi-million dollar TV channel that has just been bought by a multi-billion dollar TV channel and therefore they're going to do what's good for them at the end of the day. Uh, we might not like the episode. We might not like how they tweet out about it and have a bit of fun at them. But at the end of the day, they're keeping us in the job. We're not keeping them in the job. So I think it's important for fans of this show, fans of podcasts and fans uh, of people who are putting out podcasts to realise that we're exactly that. We're fans. We're not produced or employed by Channel 10. So therefore, it's 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 a bit laughable that some will get a little bit inflated on their egos and assume that they end up being bigger than the show so uh i'll leave it at that we've got uh plenty more content though with australian survivor coming out uh exit interviews as always uh when there's people who are voted out we will have them on the show if you haven't listened to our kent exit interview from the week that is available online for you to listen to as are all our previous other eight exit interviews that are there should there be two vote outs next week we'll have them both on the show next week and of course as i said our special guest next week hopefully it can be somebody very special if not then uh just stay tuned uh they're all very special. I shouldn't diminish uh, guests if they're not the person that we're trying to get on. They're all very special, and we're all obviously very uh, excited to have them here. If you're not a fan of uh, Survivor, and for some reason you've been listening to us for three hours and however many minutes it's been, interesting choice. Fair enough. Thank you. Uh, but we do obviously have other content out there outside of Survivor that we are covering. Our Nip Tuck and Third Watch rewatch is continuing. Uh, Nip Tuck episode up today, and a Third Watch episode will be up tomorrow. Movie side of things, of course, we 
We've got plenty of stuff coming along. Uh, if you were a fan, apparently, of the Kill Phil episode, the really shit movie that I made when I was 17, we're doing the really shit movie that I made when I was 18, Kill Phil 2. That's coming out this Thursday for you. Uh, if anything, don't watch the movie. It's on YouTube if you want to, but just listen to the episode because it actually was a quite a fun episode to produce with Colin. Uh, but we've got uh, some other review episodes going up. Uh, Logan Lucky review is up online. You can listen to that. So is a War of the Planet of the Apes episode. You can listen to that. Uh, we've got a Dark Tower one coming out, uh, as well as a few others. Uh, and we also will have, as I said, uh, in a lot of our other shows, we've got a big few months coming up for our movie coverage. Uh, September is going to be anniversary month. So we're going to be looking at four different films celebrating different anniversaries. We're looking at two films celebrating their 20th anniversary in Titanic and Face Off, a film looking at their 25th anniversary in White Men Can't Jump, and a film celebrating its 30th anniversary Dirty Dancing. That's where I'll get that tutu that Des uh, was talking about before out and perhaps where that. Uh, then we're going to be uh, moving forward with coverage of DC movies, movies of Star Wars, and then, of course, Christmas as we close out 2017 with a bang. And without you, the listeners, we wouldn't be here. So, as always, thank you very much. We do appreciate all those questions that you send in, feedback online, the tweets, the, the Facebook messages, the emails, just everything, the listeners, the downloads. They're fantastic. We really appreciate the support that you are giving us as we continue, I guess, to get on our feet a little bit more since we've rebooted here as the Oz Network. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, as always, thank you so much for those who have stuck by us, for those who have discovered us. Um, really is an honour having you on board here and I really do appreciate it. You can subscribe to us on all the variety of channels you can get podcasts on, of course. iTunes being the main one. If you're on iTunes, type in the Oz Network, you click subscribe. It's that simple. While you're there, leave us a rating, feedback. Today I'm going to say about three stars. I reckon we're worth uh, not the worst, not the best. Just in the middle there. And uh, all our episodes are on there. If you're not an Apple user, you don't use iTunes, you completely hate Apple, you can find us on Stitcher uh, for Android and non-Apple users. Do the same on there. Subscribe, comment, and uh, give us feedback. And if you're a streamer, because, again, as I say every week, that's what all the kids do these days, we are on uh, Spotify. So uh, after you've listened to uh, your Taylor Swifts and your Beyonce's and you can listen to... Uh, I really do come across as sounding like an old person sometimes. Uh, I, I, I don't think I'm that old, am I? I don't know. Anyway, but stream us on Spotify. That would be nice. Uh, and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube. Okay, I've got all the plugs out of the way. You want me to shut up because you've been sitting down or whatever you've been doing for this amount of time. If you've made it this far, I'm going to give you a clap. Thank you very much for tuning in for this amount of time as we continue our coverage of Australian Survivor and everything else on the Oz Network. Thanks, Des, again. Thanks to all our listeners for sending in the questions and listening. My name is Ben, and until we next speak again, this has been the Oz Network, and good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.